Christmas, everyone. Welcome to episode 450 of Conversation Street, the Coronation Street podcast. Spoiler free with me, Gemma. And me, Michael. Um, I hope you had a good festive period and happy holidays. I, hope, I, I like how you started at Merry Christmas because I thought that as soon as like the 25th of December is over, then everyone stops feeling festive See, immediately. I was thinking about this the other day and I was like, in your opinion, I'm asking you, Michael. Mm. Is Christmas Day the beginning, the middle, or the end of Christmas? I just don't, don't think that things feel particularly Christmassy after Christmas Day is well, over, especially now, because we've been put into Tier 4, which yeah. means we, we're not allowed to leave the house apart from yeah. what we're we allowed to leave the house for. Um, exercise, unlimited Essential exercise. Essential pur- purchases. And we're not allowed to go into other tiers, which is really annoying, because I wanted to go to the New Forest this... this um, but they're in Christmas. Tier 3. We're not allowed to travel oh. to a different tier. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so does that I mean d- we can travel within all the tier four areas? Or can we, like, make a little plague plague corridor? <laughs> to London. Yeah, I want to go to London and walk around. <laughs> no, I don't feel particularly Christmassy. And, and the fact that we didn't decorate our house this year because we needed the photos <laughs> to look neutral, season yeah. neutral, has <laughs> um, made it even, you know, less More, festive. Yeah, I know, I'm um, sorry. Christmas TV has been a bit... Yeah. Rubbish, you, you watched the big fat quiz of the year as always that was yesterday yeah. <laughs> but there's there's not much Christmassy stuff on is there's there particularly pretty Christmassy episodes of Coronation Street there were but that, that was all over wasn't it so I, I'm I'm all about the well, about the new year now baby and oh, really? the Conversation Street Awards which is the most important thing about the new year <laughs> celebrations again especially this year not that, we, think... not that we've been out of a new year for the last few years anyway but it's all oh, gearing yeah, up yeah. to that and if you're listening to this when we upload it which is hopefully still going to be Sunday you've got mere hours to vote if you haven't got around to voting yet because we are closing those polls at midnight tonight so that I can spend a fair chunk of Monday getting all the results together and figuring out what we're going to say. Oh dear, so 1st so of January, okay, so cause New Year's Eve is Thursday, isn't it? That's alright then. Um, uh, yes it yeah. is. Yes it is. Why is that alright? Well, because I didn't want to record on, on New Year's Eve. No, we record on New Year's Day. This is the last podcast of the year. and ah. Well, unless, uh, it depends whether we, it depends when we get the uh, awards show recorded and out, doesn't it, I suppose? Mm-hmm. Well, so much to do. I know busy. you don't care and you didn't ask me, but I think of Did Christmas you have Day nice as Christmas? the middle of Christmas. <laughs> because you have all the build-up and then you have Christmas Day and then you have Christmas leftovers. And you can sit around and eat things and you don't have to go to work. Yes, that is very true. I think true. for a lot of people, you d- it doesn't really matter for you because you're a teacher and you get two weeks off. But for a lot of people, they have to work right up to Christmas and then they get that bit between Christmas Day and New Year's Day. Yeah, but I did, I did a little bit of work last week and I've got a bit of work to do I've got to work to do, work to week, do as well, Michael. Yeah, I know. God damn it, it's not um, a competition. But did, did you have a nice Christmas period? I had a lovely Christmas. Thank you for all my gifts. Can you name one of them? Um, I got you a bracelet <laughs> and some earrings. <laughs> Where from? The internet. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's so much easier if Gemma just buys her own present. What did you get that you enjoyed? What did Christmas? I get that I enjoyed? Um, I thought I could dig all right for I got some nice chocolate. Oh dear, I thought I did all right for presents for you this you year. Did. But you don't remember No, anything. I got nice chocolates. And I got little plant pots in the shape of Nintendo things. Don't think I'll get any... Um, 
Coronation Street thing gifts this year, did I? I don't think either of us Everybody did. Got them all already. We, n- nobody has got us a co-op 60th anniversary We haven't <laughs> got still one. Haven't been able to find. I think we have to get one. I think we're going to have to. Yeah, I think we're going to have to eBay that now. We did. We drove drove around for a little bit, we but found really, two it's or three not appropriate co-ops. at the moment to do that during a pandemic. No, not to go from shop also, to shop. Also, we couldn't be bothered. Well, it's not. It's not a good idea. And also, my panto is cancelled. In case anyone wondered. And I'm actually relieved because I was very worried about going because of this new variant that we have. It would have been all right if it had been, if we had been um, under R1, but we weren't. We were over it. Yeah. So I was going to not go anywhere, I think. Oh, well. Yeah. Poor old Leslie Joseph will just have to make do with living she, it up with Les Dennis on Christmas doing? Day on Birds of a Feather. Mm. I watched that this morning. Oh, was it good? Not so good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's nice to have so, Les Dennis in it. Christmas 2020 is slightly disappointing on various fronts. Christmas 2020 has all been about spending more time playing Coronation Street Words and Design for me. Tell you what, I'm well into that now. I've done, I've done the Rover's Bar, I've done Ken's Room, I've done the Ken's Kitchen... I've done Ken's front room, which he decorates into the Ken memorabilia room, which is a load of Ken, Ken things from across the year, like his trumpet and violin and, and pamphlets and leaflets and did things have a like that. Poster. He did have a band of bomb poster. Brilliant. And I've done the Rover's toilets. I've done the men's toilets and I'm halfway through the ladies' toilets now. So I've had a very productive week, actually, coming up with words and spending stars to get things. Still very addictive and I'm still very much enjoying the script of it. We've watched some old Curry episodes, haven't we, with some 90s stuff. Um, I haven't been able to play my game because you won't go to bed. I, yeah, I've, I've been up playing my Switch very late. And that's been our week, really. And no, nobody has um, shown any interest in buying our house yet because you can go on the internet now and find the listing for our house. Um, so just yeah, wait and buy the it. phone. It's very sad. But nobody wants a Christmas. house on Christmas week. And did I say I've got an allotment? Did I say this last time? Uh, maybe. We went to go and look at it. It's um, it's scary and intimidating, it's but huge. it has a greenhouse. Yeah, but no shed. It's cold and wet. That's, yeah, that's what I took away from it. I'm more of an indoor person. <laughs> <laughs> but that means I can stop ruining ruining our garden with horrible looking vegetable patches. So that would be good, won't it? Yes. Right. So that's enough. Waffle. That's a, that's a huge preamble. Sorry, everybody. I mean, there's not much to report this week. No, but I thought it. And we nice. have left it very late to record this podcast. Although we could have done it yesterday, but we were just, we were just feeling kind of very blobby and I lethargic. think it's okay to have Boxing Day off. I know that Americans don't know what Boxing Day is, but you guys are missing a trick, really. Yeah, um, we we've had a couple of people saying, "Where's the podcast? Where's the podcast?" Okay. I did at least. Upload the we bonus have podcast, uploaded, haven't I? Like a bonus episode of the Patreon. Yes, we did. We put that out free. on Thursday. And we uploaded the Saturday we put the bonus podcast, which is the listener questions, the festive yeah. listener questions. That's so we tried to keep you guys entertained. Keep <laughs> we thought that you would be alright, but apparently you really need to know what we thought about this week's episode wow. so we will oblige you in just a few short minutes i can't but remember before it. that it's usually usually when we record we're still in the cory groove from that evening aren't we and today it's like i'm like what happened last week all i, I remember, remember is a really obnoxious comment from nick which was about leanne knowing how to write presents but we'll get to it all i remember is directed by matt hilton yes and there are a couple of scenes that um, if you didn't know that already you might have guessed from the way they play right. out. But before then, we're going to do a quiz, which was sourced from coronationstreet.fandom.com, aka Coropedia, aka the only place to go online if you want a Wikipedia about Coronation Street. Well, there is another one. 
Well, yeah, I, I know don't there is. About that one. I know there's, I there's know. more than a few. Are there? Yeah. Okay. But Coropedia is the like the best one by far. Okay. Yes. Um, twenty first of December, nineteen seventy. Where does Joe Dinelli shoot himself? Uh, yeah, no, he does though, doesn't he? No, he does. He shoots himself up the what, like, what geographical Number five, location? Coronation Street. And whose house is that? Minnie Coldwell's. Yeah. Poor old Minnie. Oh dear, I wonder who cleaned that up. Oh yeah. It's a bit macabre, isn't it? See, when, <laughs> when people complain about Coronation Street or soaps in general being dark at Christmas, you have to know that, you know, ten years into the show they were killing people yeah, right were like before Christmas. Gangster brains dripping down from the ceiling yeah. in number five. I hope they claimed that before the Battersby's moved in, otherwise it was gonna be staying there for another yeah, fifteen odd years. They wouldn't have bothered. December twenty first, nineteen ninety, Alf Roberts is made president of which which organization with an unfortunate acronym? Oh, is it the Weatherfield Oh what does it stand for? It's Warts, isn't it? Yes. Retailer Society. No, Weatherf- come on, think about it. Weatherfield what? Associates. Um, association. Association of retail yeah. traders. Yeah. Society. And stockholders. Oh, okay. I'll give you a mark. Well done. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> Not the square dealers. That doesn't come till a bit later. Uh, December 22nd, 1965. What devastating news was David Barlow given after a football accident? He would never play football again. Yes. And he had to be a shopkeeper. Never play professionally again. Oh. You can do what you like in your spare time. December 23rd, 1960. First appearance of which iconic piece of wardrobe on which character? Oh, this must be Ina's hairnet making its first appearance when she was in hospital. Oh, that was a funny episode, wasn't it? She (laughs) looked into the camera. Yeah, yeah. Oh, choir boys. Awkward singing in the the ward. Um, December 23rd, 1985. Who does Alf Roberts marry? 1985 must be Audrey Potter. Audrey Potter, correct. December 23rd, 2005. Why does Ed Jackson apologise to Emily Bishop? He shot Ernest Bishop. Yep, very festive. In the face and <laughs> in the wages office. <laughs> December 24th, 1975. Which panto do the residents perform at the oh, community centre? Oh, which panto? 1975. Aladdin. Why haven't you caught co- Cinderella? This? It's always Cinderella. <laughs> I always think you're going to catch me out. We had this conversation. Out. I know. I know. I, I know. Think. One day, when you get, when you finally get comfortable saying Cinderella, I'm going to swap it. But you know, we're not going to have very any more questions about pantos. I've been pantos. doing well so far today. We're not going to have any more questions about pantos for a year. No. Okay, so you can forget. December twenty fourth, nineteen ninety. Sally Webster goes into labour in Don's taxi in Rosamond Street, giving birth to Rosie, who's named after the street. Yes, but I know who, all this trivia. But who was the midwife? Oh gosh, who was there with Sally? Was <sighs> was it a lady or a man? It was a lady. Is it Alma? No. No. It was Liz McDonald. Liz McDonald. Oh, that's the next episode that we've got to watch on our... Um... Shame we didn't watch I it. I know, already. if only we'd watched that. Oh, only well. we'd had time today to watch it before yeah. this. 24th of December, 2000. Who does Curly Watts marry? Emma. I don't ask me her, so I know. Well, you only get half a mark then. You don't want to guess? No. Oh, you hate her that I much? I really don't know. Emma Taylor. Okay. 
December 24th, 2010. Why is Tracy released from prison and who did she immediately have a cat fight with? Um, I want an exact answer for this because I know you know. I don't know. I know exactly. Um, who did she... I don't even remember who she had a cat... Oh, she had a cat fight with Claire, didn't she? No. Nope. Oh, she got released well, she because did, of but... um, the guy that sent her down got... Oh, I don't remember... Um, technical reasons. Yeah, I know um, it's technical reasons. You're going to get two zeros. Yeah, why did Tracy get released? It was some, well, I think it's important that you learn. That's why I asked you the question, so you can learn. Some ridiculous retconny rubbish reason just to get her out, which I'm I very pleased about. I don't think it about. was a retconny re- I think, well, it was... I think this with was, evidence or something? I think this was based on a real thing that actually did happen. Mm. So I don't think it's that silly. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, I'll tell you. The forensic expert who yeah. worked on her case had falsified their qualifications. And so all oh, the handy. cases that they had worked on got thrown out. <laughs> so, so Weatherfield was awash with criminals. I assume that Tracy wasn't the only one that was well, released yeah. because yeah. of this. They, they should have had it, you know, like when they had the breakout from Azkaban. Just the whole of Weatherfield. Um, <laughs> Full of dementors and, with, and yeah. crazy criminals. <laughs> yes, and the person she had a fight with was Gail. Okay. Um, that was she came back during um, a little carol service for the tram victims, didn't she? And she came strolling back saying, "Oh, and the greatest return for two thousand years, yeah. or something." It's like that's Easter, Tracy. Calm <laughs> down. It's gonna another specific question for you now. Twenty mm. fourth of December two thousand and fifteen. For which person did the residents transform the street into Lapland? For and, which person? Yeah. Hope and why. Spoke. She had cancer. What specifically? Uh, incurable cancer. <laughs> <laughs> she just got better. Um, gosh, what did she have? Did she have leukaemia? No. Brain cancer? No, Stomach I want cancer. the word. It's a, it's a cool word. It's not a cool word if you've got it. It uh, begins with an N. It's neuro... Neurological no. brain cancer. I said brain. What is it? It's neuroblastoma. Uh, okay. I'm trying to teach you more in-depth answers to these questions okay because anyone can say Thanks. hope had cancer everyone knows that <sighs> 25th of december 1990 who was born david correct 30 years this year no? i know bless him oh. 25th of december final question 2010 what does tracy learn that she uses to blackmail steve into keeping custody of amy oh i don't know but i remember it happening um, what does Tracy learn? No, I don't remember. It's something about Becky, wasn't it? Was it something about it's something Becky? It's that Steve and Becky did together. And it happened around the tram crash. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about the fact that um, they'd uh, bought Max yeah. off of Kylie. Yep. You got nine and a half out of maybe 15, I guess. 15? I didn't know. Sorry. Oh, fine. Well, that's fine. That's What's not bad. wrong with that's you? That's not bad. No, that's They're very hard. specific questions. Yeah, there's some hard ones, I see. I'll take it. I'll and also, one it. of them, you cite yourself out by saying Aladdin, when it's obviously <laughs> always Cinderella. <laughs> Why did they ever do Aladdin? But okay, it has got yeah, some birthdays coming up, Gemma. <laughs> it's got some end of the year birthdays. Okay, we've got lots of, lots of, sadly, lots of Coronation Street stars died around this time of year, but I think that's just. Natural, isn't it? going to give them a shout-out? I'm not going to shout out the people that died. There's lots of really high-profile ones as well. But, 28th of December, Bernard Dewins, who plays Dan Ogden, was born. Oh. 29th of December, Kate Ford, who's Tracy Barlow IV, 
and Ian Decay-Stacker, who played Adam Barlow the first, was also born on the 29th of December. So I wonder if he's happy or sad that he didn't get clonked on the edge of Christmas. <laughs> 30th of December, David Jones, who you might recognise as Colin um, Romax. Yeah, or? From, in 1961. And apparently Did he you call a, him Colin Romax? I said Lomax, but it came out wrong. <laughs> I know, oh, it's written in front of me. I didn't, I didn't get that wrong. Um, he was also in a band called The Monkeys, which I don't know who that is. <laughs> 31st of December, Johnny Lees, who played Harry Clayton. And then, on the 1st of January... Margie Clark, you played Jackie Dobbs. Margie Clark. Margie. Why is, why is Margie? It says That's how you say it. Okay, I'm not going to argue with somebody about how you say your name. Michelle Holmes, who plays Tina Fowler, one of the best barmaids. <laughs> yeah, we've been watching her. <laughs> She's gone now. Best barmaids of the 80s. Um, and Jimmy Mystery, who played Carl Nazir. Carl or Cal? <laughs> Why are you pulling me up on everything? Sorry. Can I just say... It's because I, I feel know, insecure about my nine and a half out of 15 I also in the know that I on the show that I know things. Imran properly. Imran? I, I can never say it properly. I don't think I say it right. I think you do. Oh, we'll Imran, find out later, Imran. because he's got a bit of a story this week. I have a speech impediment. <laughs> anything else? Is that it for birthdays? That's it. That's it for birthdays. So with that, then, should we uh, move on to street talk? Yeah. Now you've made me self-conscious. That's fine, that's fine. Oh my God, I said that wrong. (laughs) Let's do some street talk. By now we're having a Coronation Street in the past week. (laughs) Okay, so for our Christmas week street talk, we have got six stories to uh, to cover this week. Do you like Um, my festive noise? Yeah, lovely. Smug Scottish hit we'll have first. um, We've had a few more clues, but I'm still... Oh, including in the dark. An uh, almost Victorian one where we got to see the reflection of the murderer in his eye. We did. We'll talk about that later. We, we're getting. We're getting. Not close. that he was murdered. Um, all I want for Christmas is show. Show. Shona. Yeah, that's, that's my poor story. That was sweet. With the David. I, I enjoyed the David and Shona stuff this week. I thought it was. Lovely. I mean, considering the, the that I wasn't stuff to, throughout most of the week it was a bit rubbish. Wow, I, I know. Them. This is the thing. I it is a bit frustrating when you can see the clearly signposted lead up to some reconciliation because they made them fall out over something ridiculous. But yeah. it is Christmas and that's what you do at I, Christmas. I, you fall out I with people for no good reason. I very much enjoyed the end of Friday's episode. Um, then we'll talk about the Ollie stuff and the Batters Baby, Bitters BB Baby, which I had a little visitation from on Batters Christmas Day. Batters BB Baby. Like, little Mason. Uh, we had some Better Call Paul, although that storyline dropped off a cliff quicker than Billy did on Christmas Day a few years ago, <laughs> halfway through the week. Um, Jeff Free Metcalf was back towards the end of the week with some very Hilton-esque direction on a couple yeah. of those Yasmin scenes. Not that scenes. it was a very Jeffrey Christmas. It was not, no. And um, also we, another story that disappeared halfway during the week was Winter Sales, which is Gemma doing her <laughs> doing her selling on the markets and uh, Chesney and Kirk inexplicably coming up with some money out of thin air to buy Christmas presents and then never Let's finding not. out what happened. I don't think they explained where the money came they from did, anyway. Didn't they sort of make dark allusions to something? Yeah, they said, let's hope that they will, she doesn't find out where we actually got the money from. But... I'm just imagining prostitution. It's too cold for hanging around on street corners at this time of year. Not if you're motivated. I suppose that they've, get... been, they've been hanging around on street corners all day selling stuff on the market. So. They've probably had a few offers. <laughs> I mean, Kirk is not, he's not the, a looker, but he 
is is got a good voice and nice singing. He could he could have crooned them, couldn't he? Yeah. Right. So let's do the Adam story first. Then. So on Monday, um, Adam's still there in the hospital, sedated because he's got an infection. Sarah's still by his side, probably crying away. I don't remember. And then the detective, who I later found out was called D.S. Willis, so later on in the notes it suddenly turns from policeman um. into Willis. But he comes in and says, "Right, I want to ask you about this watch because last week we saw Bernie revealing all to the policeman about." this watch that she magically found in the Greg Woods but it's okay because you've established that she's good at finding things expert locator and it's St Anthony I I realised this I said St Christopher because it's one of the few ones I know last week I was talking about how if you lose something you have to ask a saint to help you and it's St Anthony St Christopher's probably isn't that the one that you go if you go fighting no it's for it's for travelling oh okay so St Christopher's been having a lot of misdirected requests but <laughs> is it bad to branch out if you're a saint why can't you do more than one thing <laughs> uh, thank you ivy tilsley sarah <laughs> tells her story to willis including that she threw the watch away which is exactly what happened to it um he's a little bit suspicious well, yeah, of because, this. and she's playing it off like yeah, well, you know. She's so funny. She's hilarious. <laughs> she says that she was drunk when she did it. Oh, who hasn't thrown um, a watch And can she away? remember the inscription on it? You can just see those little cogs in her brain turning her. What do I say do I here? Admit do I admit it? this or do I half admit this? And she's like, oh, Rick, I think it said something about that on there. So Maria later hears Brian talking to Bernie about this police digging at the watch thing. And she's, she's mad because she... Um, Bernie is mad because she didn't get the reward that he said that she would get by um, going dobbing to the police. Um, she didn't like being a snitch. And Maria says, um, right, Ber- uh, Bernie, you, you, you said that Sarah bought the watch off you. Is that right? So Bernie tells her everything. Also about the fact that Gary was also very keen to get his hands on the watch too. Weird, right? Says Bernie. And Maria goes, hmm, yes, it is. Striking her. Stroking her chin, Michael. That's what you call it when you don't have a beard. So Maria goes to Gary and asks him about the watch, and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, mate. So she calls him a big fat lie. She Mm -hmm. says, Otherwise, she tells him everything she's heard, and basically, he can't deny it for very much longer. He goes, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, that watch. <laughs> I wanted to buy it to see if it really was Rick Nealands because people were saying it was Rick. So I thought if I, if I bought it off there, I'd be able to find out if it was Rick's. It makes sense, right, doesn't it, babe? Maria was not convinced by this. Um, and she also points out that it seems like a bit more than just a coincidence that he it was dug up in the place that police are now hunting around for the body of Rick Nealand in, isn't it? Is Rick dead, Gary? And he's like, don't know. Sorry, mate, can't help you. But she doesn't seem to believe... Well, she says okay, mm-hmm. but she doesn't... Uh, I don't think she believes him on the end of that episode. So do you think that these unlikely relationships that we've had to endure this year, Maria and Gary and Adam Sarah, and Sarah and Adam... The thing is, I wouldn't call them unlikely relationships. Well, they're just boring people shoved together. It, which is, it was completely plot-driven. That's what I'm no, trying to say. No chemistry no attempt to develop them or yeah, but show what do you them. mean by plot driven well they were put together so that you know all of this could happen that's what i'm just saying yeah there, there was no feeling of you know these people even like each other <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of a you know a prerequisite for most relationships to take place oh what were yeah, you gonna maybe. say i was just gonna say was it all just for this like did they go back did, was it planned i think it all was. along it, I, I hope for their sake it was i hope they weren't trying to you know 
build the new foundations of the next Jack and Vera or Mavis and Derek or is that why is that why they feel so empty and is it you know is it really impossible for Coronation Street because really this would have been much more compelling I think if you cared about the relationships a bit more oh yeah absolutely and I don't care about this at all I'll tell you who I did care about though relationship wise that kind of took me off guard a little bit on Friday's episode one of the very last scenes on it where Aggie comes home she gets out of her car and Ed's there with his Christmas hat you go Merry Christmas my love and and she gives him a nice smile and just that little interaction there made me believe in their relationship ten times over anything we'd seen from Carrie and Adam and Sarah and it Maria is true you know people just a little smile people criticise Bailey's takes. and it's quite right to in some respects because they have been fairly underused and when they have been used it's like a toddler breaking through a blooming ceramics shop with how clumsy everything has been. But what they have done, I think, pretty well is make a few establishing scenes where we we get to know Ed and Aggie's about their relationship. We had that scene where Ed, Ed and Aggie were walking down the road and she was talking about working for the NHS. You remember that scene yeah, where yeah. they were walking and it was kind of a really wide shot and yeah. they were... I can't remember exactly why, what they were talking about. Oh, I was to do with Ollie, probably. Um, and then we also had the scene where she was in hospital... No, in, in the hotel quarantining because she had... Uh, somebody she knew had contracted coronavirus and so she had to isolate herself from the family during their wedding anniversary celebrations. Mm. And that was sweet. And then this moment when she comes home and she sees him there, they, they're actually bothering to make you believe in Ed and Aggie's Affection marriage, for each other. Which is nice because really, even though they haven't been in the show for very long, they're one of the longest married couples mm. currently on the street just through... just just because they haven't been around to be split up yeah. by the producers. I've heard mixed opinions on Imran and Toya um, recently as well, and some people are all for them as a couple, and other people say, no, I don't think that they've got any chemistry um, well, that's not or true. anything. And I think they have, but again, I still don't think that Corrie have done enough to show us that you know they love each other and they've got real affection for each other. I, I get the impression watching them I'll that they get what, on. I'll tell you something that it feels like Just with... That. Imran and Toya is that they feel like a couple who have been together for like 10 years rather than a couple that have been together for for a very short amount of time. In what sense? Well, because they're not like lovey-dovey, romancy, like... No, but I think, I, I think we've missed other. that. We've yeah, got I know. a few scenes at the beginning where, you know, Toya would go into the lawyer's manner. office and sweeps everything off of the desk. But I, I'd I feel, like to see them on a date or something. I know, but can you see what I am trying to yeah. argue here? Yeah. Like, they feel like a, a long-established couple, even though they're actually not. I think I see what you mean. but I've... Like, that comfortable... Like, when, when, you've, when you've been going out with somebody or married to somebody for a long time, it's like you're, it's like you're a family and you're just super comfortable with each other. And it's like you, you almost don't... You take it for granted that the other person is always around. Mm. Whereas when you're, like, really super early in the relationship, you're all over each other. And I, we had a few scenes... I mean, really, as far as Coronation Street's concerned with setting up couples, we had hundreds and thousands of scenes worth of them, you know, getting it on with each other to establish that they, they're randy for one another <laughs> because we had, like, two scenes, which is yeah. more than some people ever get <laughs> in the entire relationship. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. And I, and I suppose with Toya and Imran as well, 
their relationship certainly doesn't feel plot driven because they've not had any <laughs> <Plot>. storylines. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be some other reason that they're together. Yeah, Maybe they like each other. Yeah, I know. Also, because they're both quite sensible and they don't get overly emotional about things. It feels like they're very reserved generally. Yeah. So it makes Although sense. Imran feels so happy about having his little. Oh, we'll get to that in a minute. I'm excited. Anyway, about back onto Wednesday then yeah. with the with the Adam storyline. Gary wakes up and he's doing some sneaky woggling about the police searching, digging up the woods. I don't know why he doesn't just go to the Weatherfield Recorder's website and search that rather than doing random Maybe if it's anything like the the Daily Echo's website, which is our local paper, you have to answer a survey before you can read an article. (laughs) Have you bought car insurance in the last 10 years? Leave me alone. So DS Willis comes over and Gary reminds Maria, don't forget, you're my alibi. I was with you all night on that night that Alan got clonked on the head. Alan? Adam. (laughs) Gary tells DS Willis that he had nothing to do with the attack on Adam. And then Willis kind of turns the tables on him and says, oh, yeah, well, what about the disappearance of Rick Nealon? Well, he's Mm. like, yeah, DS Willis comes round and and Gary thinks he's prepared. And he's like, yeah, we're going to say that we're together, right, babe? caught off guard. And then he's like, well, I don't care about that. I want to know about Rick. Mm. So Daniel sees Gary being carted off and he's... To answer more questions down. Yeah, Sarah is watching on very, very smugly. <laughs> She's such an idiot. I know. Mira's looking concerned. Gary, though, is just acting cool because he thinks that he's got this all sus. He knows that the body isn't there. They're not going to find it. Whatever he's done with this, he reckons it he's got all be... his alibis and his excuses in place. This is well, one excuses. of the... excuses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I did kill Rick Nathan, But listen, but... <laughs> I know this is one of these cases where... Like if you're into true crime, you'll you'll have heard hundreds of these really frustrating cases, and it's usually the boyfriend or husband has killed the woman, and it's like there's no body, there's no evidence that the person is even dead, and there's no way to tell when or how the person was killed, and it's really really difficult to establish then how the if the person did it. I don't see unless they can find the. Bo- I really don't see how they can they can get Gary for this unless somebody confesses. Here. Well, he's. They've got evidence that there was at least a body there. I know, but they don't know whose body it was. No, and I, considering and they the have, amount they didn't of go into detail of, about what the evidence was. They considering the amount of there men who like have been little... floating around the canals recently. Yeah. There's no end of dead bodies littering Weatherfield. There wasn't like any a graffiti like Rick Nealon was here or anything when they when they dug up. Well, I mean, the watch was there. The watch was. Nearby, that's not evidence that, that's of, a, not, of a murder. No, that's not enough. I think they seem to have found more, but I don't think they've said what exactly it is. Oh, it's just like... And Gary says he's not seen Rick Nealon in over a year. No idea what's happened to him. Sorry, I can't help you. Last you time I saw him, he was lying on the floor with his head caved in. Does that help you? <laughs> um, and he says, look, you haven't, you haven't got any evidence. It's all based on gossip. And D.S. Willis realises... Well, he seems to act as if he hasn't got a leg to stand on, so he has to let Gary go. For all the, for all the advancements in science, and what we can do with evidence and and things uh, quite often the only way you can get somebody is that they confess that they did it mm. yeah I don't and think Gary is going to be doing confess. that anytime soon no. so Sarah meanwhile is confiding in Daniel about all these Gary rumours that are flying around and Gary was definitely up to something the other night she saw him but wait says Daniel you hang on you, you, I thought you were supposed to be at home says Daniel and she's like Oh, yeah, I forgot. Oh, uh, yeah, but, like, I went out and I saw him because 
I was like doing. <laughs> she work literally stuff. says I was doing work stuff at the factory. So like, but but honestly, Sarah's understanding of how to run the factory. I think that's what she thinks she does all day long. Work, work stuff. stuff. What did you do today? Oh, like like work stuff. Like, what does that involve? It seems to involve walking around the the factory, telling Sean off and telling Kirk to pack things. And sending our emails off to people to make Carla look incompetent so that they don't get the orders that they're supposed to be getting. Trying to undermine your own business yeah. during a, during an unprecedented yeah. pandemic and possible, well, almost definite recession. Yeah. Well, she ends up getting a bit defensive about this and leaves. D.S. Willis goes to see Maria later and says, don't tell me about Rick and Gary's relationship. She says, well, they did a bit of work together, but that's all I know. They roughed up Granny. He says that Rick might have been murdered, but she just doesn't know about that. By the way, he says, do you know that it's a criminal offence to lie to the police? Now, this... Are you sure you was with Gary all night? D.S. Willis. D.S. Willis is doing um, a Columbo, isn't he? Because he keeps going up to the door to leave. And then he turns around and he says, one more thing. I really like this. It's a bit cheesy and silly, but I really like the fact that... Are you that telling the truth? He's got a bit of a gimmick, and he does this quite often. He'll go, yeah, okay, and then he'll go and go, one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> like I just, Trevor like, MacDonald the, at the end of the 10 o'clock news. The balls of a guy to, if this was real life, to, to use a technique from a detective TV show that's really cliché... I love it. Well, it looks like Maria has cracked because Willis goes back to Gary later with a statement from Maria saying that actually he could have popped out. And they didn't go into detail about what the statement says, but they showed it on screen. We paused it, didn't we? It was basically saying, I I had a bath. Yeah, I had a bath, so it's possible he wasn't there, but I didn't didn't hear hear the door door go. But yeah, he wasn't with me all, all the time. Um, And and Willis takes this as definite evidence that Gary did leave, doesn't he? But I'm, I reckon she's lying, though. I think she's been a bit shifty. I don't think she was in the bath. I think she just had a bit of an issue in the loo. <laughs> she was held up trying for to, a good half an hour. Trying to flush down <laughs> really stubborn. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> so, Gary calls Willis's bluff and says, well, arrest me, Glenn. If you think I was there and I did it, then, then put me in handcuffs. But Willis says, no, our investigations are ongoing. And he leaves, just leaving Gary a little bit rattled. Um, meanwhile, Jenny has found Adam's phone wedged between the seats in the Rovers. Yeah, and I got confused This is a little bit here. of a mystery. Because I was like, it, oh, his wallet was there all the time, but it's not his wallet. It's just his phone with I think it, a lot of people... With a card in it. Yeah, because it, it has got his always business card, doesn't it? But we've had the storyline recently where he's lost his wallet, but this isn't What is this. wrong with Adam? This is just his phone. He's walking around, leaving things. Although he needs a man bag. Well, the other confusing bit about this is the fact that when he went to the uh, bistro to play his Christmas music, people assumed that he was using his phone to play music on that Bluetooth speaker. speaker. But I'm guessing maybe he was just using the actual you know, in-house equipment at the bistro. I don't... Uh, it's weird. I also don't, like, why Why did he leave his phone there? How did he lose his phone? <sighs> Considering that, that's probably got really personal information about clients, you'd think he'd be a bit more careful. I'm sure it's password protected. I know, so... Guess it in three tries. Um, so Sarah sees Gary and says, oh, yeah... She also goes to see Craig. Craig's there. And she's like, what's going on with Gary? I don't thought he was arrested him. earlier. And he's like, oh, oh you know, I, can, I can't you. tell you. Can't tell you. It's, oh, well, go on then. I can't tell you. And then he sort of gestures, with his, me gestures with his finger. Come here, come here, I'll tell you. 
<laughs> Craig is. It feels like at the moment the only reason that Craig was made a policeman <laughs> is so that they could, so that anyone who wants to exactly can have easy access to confidential police care. information. I literally don't care. I, it's getting a bit silly. Really. I think it's fine. He needs to be dragged across the coals as a Craigie. He needs to have wrap on the knuckles at least. He does. He needs something because it's it's not the first time. It's not even the Officer second Tinker, time. Officer Tinker, can you explain to me why every single person in in this small vicinity knows what our police investigations about three different ongoing crimes? Yeah. Why do they know everything about it? I don't know. I don't know. And then Craig goes, "I do know. Come in. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling them everything, <laughs> but don't tell anybody because I'll get in trouble." <laughs> He's called Officer Tinker because he tinkers with the evidence, doesn't <laughs> he? Um, anyway, so now Maria knows what's been going on. He says, look, there's possible evidence in the woods, but the DNA is too degraded to be conclusive. So maybe that, so I guess they did say a little bit more. What does that even mean? What do you think? Is that there was a... a, a they, found the, uh, they found where the body was, was buried. But they didn't find the actual body. They didn't find the body, but they can DNA test the soil. Okay. And they can say, well, it looks like there was a body here, but we can't tell you whose body it was. We can't, we can't test it against, say, um, R. Kelly to find out if, okay. if it's Rick's. Yeah. We found some DNA and it was either from somebody called Nick or somebody called Rick. So we, so just we can't, really no can't. No idea. And there's loads of dead Nicks and, and um, Ricks. And <laughs> Jenny brings the phone that she's found to Daniel. He looks a bit suspicious and plugs it into the wall. And it was at that moment we realised, oh, it's a phone and not a wallet. <laughs> and then when he plugged in, I was like, why has he plugged his wallet in? What's going on? Is there some new thing that I need to buy? Some new technology? <laughs> so An eye wallet. Sarah goes to Gary and says, where's the body then? She says, you had something to do with Adam's attack as well, didn't you? you he says, well, I don't know, maybe yeah. you're trying to cover your own tracks because you're the one that bopped Adam on the head. So Maria walks in on this and the accusations flying all over the place. Sarah leaves. Maria's mad at Gary and goes to take Liam out for his tea. Didn't see, we haven't <laughs> seen Liam. Daniel returns home later from the I hospital. I am really loving the coronavirus, doing a number on the ch- child cast of Coronation Street, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, he, Daniel finds messages on Adam's phone. And as soon as he plugged it in, the messages started dinging up, didn't they? So if he'd only been a bit more patient, he could have found this earlier. And all it is, there's one that's a missed call from Peter. One from Sarah saying, I need to see you. And then another one from Sarah saying, don't hold out on me or I promise you'll be sorry incriminating indeed gary has stern words with maria at the end of the episode for the fact that she gave that statement to the police and maria's like oh yeah well why does sarah think that you killed rick anyway then you didn't kill him did you i don't know what do you think and he's like i didn't kill him honestly she does not believe a word he says orders him out and says if you don't leave i'm gonna phone the police thursday christmas eve i can't believe it they're such a great couple Gary cannot get hold of Mira on the phone. Um, R. Kelly is there. She, she'd been staying overnight at Summer's house, hasn't she, on Wednesday night? <coughs> so she comes in for one episode appearance on Thursday well, to see Gary. She's a bit of she an wants... orphan, isn't she? Because her, her, her dad's died ages ago and she doesn't realise it. Her. And her mum's gone. Yeah. Mum's absconded again. So I, I don't know where she's supposed to be living when she's not having sleepovers with Summer. I don't know whether they said or not. But she's back on the, on the cobbles anyway. And um, she wants to know, can I speak to my dad, please? Because I'm on my own. Um, Meanwhile, Daniel is grilling Sarah after getting all these messages pop up on Adam's phone. And she says, oh, 
Yeah, right. Um, so, I did meet Adam on the street that night, and then I went back home. I definitely didn't go into the factory or anything. I was just like, met him and then went home. I, I was yeah. going to do work stuff, but then I was like, no, because it's like, why would I? And then I was like walking around, and I forgot why I came outside. And then I was like, oh, it's Adam. And then I was like, oh, well, I'll go back home. You could home. technically be a scriptwriter for saying this. <laughs> Got you got nailed her down to a T. Daniel's going to the hospital later because they're going to try and wake up Adam again. So meanwhile, Gary has come <laughs> back home and R. Kelly wants him to call her dad. Call me dad. <laughs> and call then dad. Gary's like, it's not appropriate because you're not even a man. <laughs> but the police took her... Um, Oh no, I missed us. Just skipped a line there. He says that I've not heard from your dad in ages. Sorry. I can't remember when the last time is that he's supposedly... No, spoken I don't to me because that always used to be his line, wasn't it? Like, oh, he I'll said, just, he just told got off me. the phone from him, but yeah. I don't know where he is. He wants me to go beat up some people and get money off of them. Interestingly, Kelly says that she got a Christmas card from her dad, but the police took it away for fingerprints. Hmm. So Kelly leaves. Maria um, is. Th- th- this must be the first time then that Maria finds out that Gary was ever in contact with Rick. You know, post disappearance, so she starts really grilling him about that. About it, it's because the remembers. story's been so protracted, yeah, hasn't I it? Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't remember what people remember it's, and it, know. And... It is fun. It is fun because it's a, a a detective like murder mystery story that you couldn't really tell over. Like I keep saying, you couldn't really tell this in any other way. Um, you couldn't t- tell it this way in any other story no, yeah, because it's drama like, or anything. yeah. But because of that, the clues are strewn over like a 12-month period of hundreds and hundreds of episodes of a, of a show that isn't really specifically about that. And sometimes they bank on the fact that you've forgotten something yes. so that they can you know, pull the rug out from under you. And other times I think they're kind of hoping that you remember something. And also and sometimes they retcon stuff and hope that you don't realise they've done that. Yeah, totally. Or sometimes they bring things up and then they just drop it. <coughs> the yeah. report. Yeah, what report? <laughs> Rana hasn't had a mention think, this no. week, has she? Because really, yeah. D.S. I mean, Willis needs to say one more thing, Gary. Do you know anything about the hospital, I know. the hospital factory and, roof? And in? wouldn't Imran be involved in that too? Because he was hot on working this out. Wouldn't he be interested? I know. I, get, I know he's distracted. Because yeah. I kept saying, oh, why does Imran care? And you were like, well, because his sister got a factory dumped on her head like she's the Wicked Witch of the West. Mm. Um, Gary Gary comes over to the house again later to bring Liam's present. I think it was Liam's present or Jake. Liam, Jake, I, I, I don't know. Um, but he's not there. It must have been Liam. Maria starts to nag Gary about Rick again, but he swears, I'm just as much in the dark as you are, love. She cannot tell if he's lying. And he says, I promise I'm telling the truth. And they have a whole, no more secrets. She no, says, no more secrets. No more secrets, okay, Gary? Absolutely no. This week we had no more secrets and best Christmas ever uttered yeah, on that Thursday episode, episode, didn't we? I know, oh, what a treat it was. Well, she just wants a divorce. Shocking. How long have they been married? Three months? Four months? And this, you have to wait a This year. is another one of these... That, that's very true, actually. They can't have a divorce until next summer anyway. Yeah. But this is another one of those... Um, you know, ultimatums where did did anybody in the audience go, Oh no <laughs> not Gary and Maria Can I just point out the the utter, utter crass selfishness of somebody who actually managed to get married in twenty twenty, wanting a divorce before the year is even finished. I know, that's just when rubbing these, it in everyone's faces. Yeah, with all these poor couples who couldn't get married this year because of the coronavirus watching this going well, yeah, maybe you should get a divorce. One then. of my colleagues at school is getting married tomorrow 
and she's just well she, over the past week. Is she I guess, really going to still? I get... think she's still going ahead with it, oh. but she just had to you know, cut her guest list down to six That's at horrible. the last minute, which is very horrible. Anyway, uh, she wants a divorce. Gary goes back to the furniture shop and takes out his frustrations on a Santa Claus doll that's there, ho ho hoing as he goes into it. Meanwhile, and I found this uh, as uh, during Thursday's episode, I was kind of watching it, going, "Yeah, this is happening in front of my eyes, but I'm not really interested and I'm not particularly gripped." But this scene where Sarah's in the factory deleting an email that, that made me prick up my ears. It's like, oh, ho, ho, what's going on here? Sadly, it didn't turn out to be anything that interesting, well, I, and it wasn't a secret for much longer. I but, told you exactly what I thought it was, and it. Yeah, was, you were right hmm. because, um, well, 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 we'll get to it because mm-hmm. it had been. Um, it wasn't a, a protracted mystery along the lines of many of the other things involved in this story. No, but I did enjoy that. The end of Thursday's episode was quite good. It was another little montage, wasn't it? It was, it was mm. kicked off by Leanne listening to her sad Christmas music. Um, and at the very end of the episode, Adam wakes up and Daniel's there. And he says, I can tell you exactly who did this. Dun, 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 dun. dun. Friday. I, like, I can't believe this. He knows. I was not expecting this at all. I was expecting him to not remember. Well, this is the well, this is what the mystery in this is really, because we get to Friday, Christmas Day's episode, and he later tells Daniel that he didn't see his assailant, but he smelt the whiskey on his breath. Yet the uh, opening scene on Friday was a flashback, which mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time, if ever, Coronation Street did a flashback scene like mm-hmm. this. It they must feels have done like a, a very EastEnders-y, Hollyoaks-y, yeah. Emmerdale-y kind Not of thing to do. Long time. Honestly, I can't, if anyone would like to write in and tell me, has Coronation Street ever done a flashback like this? Please let me know, because I honestly When I you say remember. like this, though, what do you mean? In, in, in any way. Okay. Saying, and this is how something happened. I just don't I'm think sure that we I'd, have had one, but I, I wouldn't be able to tell you when, so maybe not. Um, it, it starts. <laughs> it's um, it's Adam in the bistro, isn't it? Um, playing as um, Santa Claus is coming to town. He's sitting there, lonely and moody, on the bar, and he's like looking behind him because there's a, a shadowy figure. It's like the person's running backwards and forwards in front of the camera. Yeah, and, and Adam keeps turning around, going, "What?" And then the power cut happens quite handily. <clears throat> Um, and then the candles go out, and it's all, and then it kind of goes green. It was this was this was very oh, very yeah. Matt Hiltony, wasn't it? Um, and then it freezes. It was all, it was almost no, dream sequence esque. This but is no, when we saw he the he turns reflection. around, yeah. and we see the attacker's face reflected in Adam's pupil. And if you pause it on there, you can see you can see quite clearly, but I can't figure out who it. Is. So I, can't, I can't reveal anything here, but this if is you what I like. Go I back really like and pause that. it because you can, you can see, see their eyes and the bridge of their nose, can't you? And a bit of eyebrow. It took me a while and to it, see it. It should be enough to be able to tell. All I could say from it is that it looked like somebody with fairly smooth skin and, and youngish looking, and basically not Peter. It didn't look like that was Chris Gascoigne's face reflected in Adam's eye there. So interestingly, they've kind of given away who it is if you want to play match the eyes. And usually seeing somebody's eyes is enough to be able to tell. But in my head, I'm like, I can look at it and say, I think it's so-and-so, because in my head, I think it's Simon, or maybe I think it's Faye. So my brain looks at it and says, oh yeah, that's Simon or Faye. But I don't know if it is. I don't know. Uh, But yeah, Adam is um, saying to Daniel... Um, I didn't see who my attacker was, yet he very clearly did see who his attacker was. But he's perhaps pinning that it on Peter. information is lost from his brain because it didn't 
remember that bit. I don't, don't know. Forget, it's if a you process. Rem- your your brain has to file the information from your short term to your long term memory. And if you get hit over the head while it's doing that, it kind of like doesn't work. I don't know. It it seems Michael. To... He's saying he doesn't know. He says he doesn't know, well, but he is he just Peter. saying I think it's Peter because it smelt like Peter? It smelt <laughs> like boozy Peter, or is he just trying to pin it on Peter for for reasons because they were having a fight before? And I would say it's more likely to be that. Well, he says it's the well, same whiskey that Peter was drinking earlier. It's not just the smell of whiskey; it's a specific sort of whiskey that he is sure that yeah, Peter like honey was sort drinking. Of whiskey. Oh, sounds like Honey Jack. Mm. Mm. Um, I don't know whether because he hasn't told the police yet this no. information. So he's has he did he speak to the police at all on Friday? Or the police, the police too are just busy going having around going, Christmas? Right, listen, Maria. We know that you wasn't in the bath. We know that you was having trouble on the loo. What did you eat that day? Because <laughs> I want to avoid it. And she's like, oh, I think it was the prawns. Yeah, we don't have any police visiting Adam, despite the fact that usually on soaps, like the They're very swarming. second that somebody's woken up, up for a and, coma. And everyone's surrounding them going, oh, are you all right? And the police are like, get out of the way. <laughs> Who done it? Who done it? Was it you? Did you do it to yourself? Um, we haven't had that yet, but I'm waiting for it to happen. I'm pretty sure one of these days it's going to be someone done it to themselves. <laughs> Gary comes over to Jenny's Glühwein stall, which is out on the street on Christmas morning. Uh, she and Daisy yum, are yum, there yum. selling <coughs> old wine. Um, and I he was going to say... Go on. Somebody asked what's the difference between Glühwein and mold wine. I don't really know. One, but... what? Oh, one of the characters did, didn't they? Yeah. And Ken said it's geography. Yeah, basically. But when we went to Copenhagen last year and we had mold wine in from Denmark... What they do, which is really nice if you want a nice idea, is they put blanched sliced almonds and raisins in there in the in the um in the drink and it tastes really nice and you get to eat boozy nuts and fruit. That doesn't sound like I'd like that at all. No. Anyway, Gary's there, Sarah's there, he has a go at her for making Maria ask him for a divorce, and he also reveals to all and sundry that he saw her outside the factory on the night that Adam was hit. And Sarah's like uh, yeah, I was in there um, sending an email <laughs> she, from no, Carla. No, first of all, she said, she goes, okay. And then she turns to Carla and says, right, I'm going to have to... Carla, I need to really have a dramatic. private word with you. And Gary's like, no, no, tell everybody. Yeah, it was quite dramatic. And she reveals that she's a stupid idiot. So what's she And it's like, she'd... Sarah, you don't need to reveal this. Everybody knows that you're stupid. She'd sent an email to another factory. Yeah, for an order. Which she put the wrong number on it. Yeah, and then she went right. back Signing and she it deleted it from the, I assume, outbox or sent folder so that there was no evidence. Except said, there was evidence had, because no, the person argu- that they sent it We had this it, argument so. with you, with, with, between us, where you, you were saying that the person who got the email sent to them would have the evidence. And I was saying, there's no, like, if, you're, if, you've done a mis- if you've made a mistake like this... As the factory, you're not going to go to the other person and say, can I see the email that we sent to you so that I can I can say the person who owns the factory was trying to stitch up another person who owns the factory to get back at them because that, that person had an affair with the other person's husband. You keep your mouth absolutely shut about it and hope if that I, they didn't mention it because that makes suspect. you look more... more imp- more incompetent. If I was a murder suspect and people, the police were honing in on me, I think I might risk it. Yeah. Especially if I was Sarah. She doesn't care. I went to come with it. I know, but you don't it. need to go to the police, the factory owner and ask them to prove it. Mm. Also, I don't even think... I, I'm surprised that Sarah even needed to go to the factory to, un, to, to do the email. Couldn't she just, like, remote it in? 
didn't, didn't have remote she access. She knows how to do that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, anyway, Gary's... Also, why would you want to have remote access to the factory when you live next door to it? It's much more convenient. Pandemic, stay at home. No. Save lives, protect Aggie. Yeah. Gary's myth because everybody immediately believes Sarah Lou and oh. then when they're like where were you then Gary we know what Sarah was doing she one was making the things, herself look stupid what were you doing one yeah. of the things that everybody That's says immediately when she says this oh I was sending an email to Carla from, from Carla, Carla was yeah well she must be telling the truth because she, she's made herself look like a right mug and nobody would do that and I said to you aha see this is what I said to you one of the cardinal rules of telling a lie is to make yourself look stupid mm. so that nobody would believe that you're telling the, telling a lie again yeah yeah so Gary's Gary gets quizzed about where he was and he's like I'm not telling you who do you think I am Craig and he walks <laughs> off wrong ginger <laughs> Peter um, later shows up in Adam's room because yes. Daniel has texted him that Adam tried to pin this bludgeoning on him. And Daniel's he says, not really convinced that, Ad- that Adam's right about this, is he? I don't think. I thought he was. Well, why did he text him then? Why would you text him? If you thought that your brother had tried to kill your nephew or whoever he is, wouldn't you tell the police before you texted the person who was the would-be murderer? Maybe. I question his motivation, Sarah, if this is... Anyway, Karen. Unless Daniel was the one that did it. And he's just trying to keep it all in the down low. If you anyway, were the Peter... one that did it, you would be thrilled to hear Adam say that he thought it was Peter and you'd immediately get the police to get Adam to tell them mm, okay. tell that it was Peter to get you completely off the hook. Well, Peter says, I didn't do it, but I'd gladly shake the hand of whoever did. And that's when we got one of the episode's numerous sound effects of drama and thrillerness. It was like a... And I get why they did it some of the time with Yasmin, but I didn't really think that that needed punctuating with that particular sound effect, but maybe it's just me. At the end of the episode, Peter and Daniel are having a chat at the pub, and Peter once again denies that it was him. Yes. And then Friday's episode, obviously, was the Christmas Day episode, and we watched this with my parents. Oh, yeah. Flipping parents talking all over it. Uh, shut up. No, they weren't. They I told you. Work. I said to you, didn't I, I say? I wanted to watch it at the same time I, as everybody else. I don't care. I said to you, only put this on if you don't mind, because I was talking to them as well. Yeah, you, you were also filling them in on. This is what I was going to say. This is why I brought it up in the first place. I love watching Coronation Street on Christmas Day with people that don't watch the show normally, because I can fill them in on everything that happened, and I love how ridiculous it all sounds, because I was like, okay, right, so this, what's going on here is this guy was hit over the head by one of his relatives, and there's all these suspects, and we don't know who it was. This guy here who's shouting at everybody outside the pub killed a man last year and buried him in the woods, and they've just found a body. These two used to, got married earlier in the year, but now they're broken up because he's a murderer, and she's um, trying to hide the fact that she uh, disposed of a body, like, Five years ago. Oh, th- this this couple here, she's lost her memory because she was shot in a box last Christmas. <laughs> it's really, I really enjoy it. Your parents didn't question any of this. No, like, they just right, thought it was hilarious. Right. <laughs> and at the end of it, I did say to them, based on today's episode, what would you give it out of five? And mum gave it three and a half and dad gave it three. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was pretty good. Mum said good. she thought it was quite, quite enjoyable. Oh, she quite nice. liked watching it. Which is good, considering that really there's no context for a lot of stuff that happened. Mm. But one of the things my mum liked was the Shona they and like David story. Yeah, yeah. Which is lovely. Um, so, who done it, Gemma? What's, what's your latest thinkings? The thing is, I really am enjoying the, the process of the who done it, and I have no, I really have no theories. I'm not really 
um, strongly feeling anybody in particular, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Because I remember when it was Ken, I'm pretty sure I had some really strong opinions about who I thought it was. And even when it was the Frank Foster one, I was like, well, it's definitely, definitely his mum. And when it was Tina, I was like, oh, it definitely isn't Rob. But um, I don't know who I... I have no... I think during the Ken Barlow one, we had some strong opinions on who it was, but they would change quite drastically from week to week. And they kept us on our toes by having these extra twists thrown in there and like, you know, Rob Donovan turning up and things. It's like, ah, but what if this? And it doesn't feel to me like they're being quite as clever about keeping us on our toes. And like I said before, because I'm not... I don't care as much who it was as I did of the who killed Ken. Who pushed Ken? <laughs> Damn. Um, yeah, it, it, and it feels like maybe it's going to be revealed soon. Do you, do you feel like they're I on don't, the edge I of... feel like this is going to be a New Year's Eve sort of revelation. I was really wrong-footed by the fact that Adam woke up and said, I know who it was, and then he didn't actually know who it was. That was quite funny. Mm, I'm just enjoying it. I'm just really enjoying it. But... The only the downside to this is, in my opinion, that it's almost certainly going to be the case that whoever it is faces no consequences. This mm. happens all the time. They set this up with really high profile characters, and you just know because it's the sort of the Barlow family, same as what happened with Ken stuff. You know that it's going to be they're going to be like, well, yeah, the Barlows you know. are close ranks. Yeah, and they'll be like, well, you know, I did shag your wife or whatever yeah. it ends up being. So. We've all done things we were ashamed blah, of. Blah, Let's blah, just blah. forget about it. And Ken will it. give everybody a lecture and then go and tell somebody to keep their mouth shut, like he'd, like probably Sarah, like he did that time where he dressed up like the Mafia Don. Who was he telling to keep their mouth shut? Um, he was telling uh, Billy to keep his mouth shut. Yeah, then. so he'll do that to Sarah maybe, like keep your mouth shut. Yeah. If you know what's good for you. It, it, it does kind of feel like at the end of this, nothing will have changed. Yeah. Apart from, I, th- I think the, the Gary and Rick thing has got to have some kind of longer-lasting consequences. I still but I'm don't not know sure where that's this. going. I really am enjoying the fact that there are two things going on at once with the, the Rick stuff and the Adam stuff and Sarah being involved. And even though I don't buy their relationships, the fact that Maria, it's Maria and, Ad, you know, Adam. Mm. and mm. It is in, It's more interesting than it would have been if they weren't all going, you know, all sort of paired I, up. I, I guess, I guess. I just think that if the, it had been a different set of characters, I might... I might have been invested in I know, in but there are probably, I assume, some people that really like these characters. Oh, I don't, I've never met so. anybody that really... See, I, but back to the to the whodunit, I'm still I'm still saying it. It's, I still reckon Simon or Faye have got quite a big... have waving a big flag saying it was me. Uh, I think the fact that they're not showing them... If, it just feels like the way it's been plotted is is a bit of a misdirection from Coronation Street and watching us observe all these others fighting out and blaming each other whilst Faye and Simon are both staying... Well out. Yeah, well out of it. They, they really, really are. And yeah, the, seeing I... that reflection <clears throat> in the face, the first time... The, the eye, sorry. The first time I looked at it, I was like, you know, I think that could be Simon. Although why, why Adam wouldn't say it was Simon, I'm not sure... Did Simon have any of his dad's whiskey? I don't know, because we saw them on the night that Adam was hit. He, the last, I think the last time we'd seen Simon was he'd find out his dad was drunk in the gardens. Then he goes back and has a bit of a, a, bit of a paddy in Leanne's house, doesn't he? Did he get drunk there? I don't know. But I, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be completely out of character for him to, to spiral, although there was no, you know, headache the next day. And then Faye as well, because... 
I'm, I'm still thinking maybe there's the they thought it was Ray theory that's floating around. And there was it something interesting that somebody on Facebook mentioned, um, which I spotted as well the second time I watched this episode. Tim mentions on the Christmas Day episode that Sally has polished off their bottle of whiskey. So Elaine brings round whiskey to replace the one that Sally supposedly finished. And Sally said, oh, I just put a splash in the mince pies, which is kind of, to me, feeling like Sally saying, no, I didn't polish it off. It's a mystery about where our whiskey's gone. So did Faye... Drink because the whiskey. did she drink the whiskey to try and numb the pain or to forget about Ray or you know whatever she was she was going through a bit of a rough patch let's just say did she finish off Sally's whiskey which just so happened to be the same whiskey that Peter was drinking on that night and then go go to the bistro and attack and, and bop Adam on the head okay the only well, other now... thing for this was that Faye doesn't look worried when Tim mentions the whiskey now She's... I okay now I think it's Faye. Why? Because of that clue? Yeah. And I think that if it gets revealed to be Faye, I don't think Adam would would um, hold, you know, press charges or anything. Why? Because he'd be like, look, I, you didn't mean it. You didn't mean but to he, hit at me. The, at the time, right now, he doesn't realise that she didn't know it was him. If she thought it what was... What motivation ra- would she have? If she thought she was attacking Ray, but I don't know whether he'd think of that. I don't think he'd immediately he's go, oh, it's Faye. He, she must think it's... Oh, you you still think he's covering? See, I don't. Yeah. I don't think he's covering for, for anybody. I think he's just confused. I don't know. And it I feels really to think, me like he's covering stuff. No, I don't think so. You think that just because these, the reflection was in the eye, I think that was partly dramatic to, to create intrigue and partly you wouldn't remember the split second before you were hit. Because people get attacked. This happens in real life. And you don't know who it was. Mm. There, there's, a, there's a famous incident of a, of a boy who went crazy and attacked both his parents with an axe. The dad woke up with half his brain missing, walked around the house, emptied the dishwasher, and then collapsed on the floor and died. The mum lived through it. And it was obviously the son who did it, and she still doesn't believe that it was him that did it. And he, she was chopped to pieces by her son, and she won't admit it because she didn't see it, mm. so she won't believe it. I don't think that he. I don't think he remembers. Mm. And I think the whiskey thing is a very good clue. And I think that if um, if Adam found out that it was Faye, I can see him saying, "I'm not going to ruin her life." She was drunk. She thought I was somebody else. Really, I don't care. I want to put this all behind me. And pin it on Peter. No, I don't think he's... You, you're adding Peter, that. If Peter you're was, adding that. If Peter was drunk, and he, he, people could very well say he doesn't remember everything that went on that night. Yeah, I know, but, I but you're he's saying got his something alibi different. With drunk bloke Michael, in the park. Michael, you're saying something different to what I'm saying. I'm saying if Adam finds out he, and it was Faith, he would forgive her. End of story. You're adding something else on the top, which I'm not saying, but I agree with you. But I'm just trying to clear the air here. I'm literally, all I'm saying is, at the end of this, whoever it is that's done it, I don't think he's going to get into trouble. So if it was Faye, it would make sense that she wouldn't get into trouble because she's so young and I think Adam wouldn't press charges because I think he understands also, being a lawyer, what effect that would have on her life. Mm. how it would she'd end up being you know that would go on our record she wouldn't be able to get jobs etc etc it's not going to help her in the long run is it and it's not going to get justice because it wasn't as though 
And I also think Adam's the sort of guy who would probably go, yeah, well, Ray probably did deserve to be smacked on the head. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, He's yeah, a very vengeful person. But what you're saying is something different to what I'm saying. You're saying that Adam knows it was Faye, but he's still trying to stitch up Peter. Yes? Yeah. And I think that's also a very interesting direction for the story to go in, but that's not what I was saying. Okay, okay. Um, what What did you think of the um, fr- the Friday episode start in the, uh, in the road with the flashback? Did you... I was like, oh, what's these- happening? Oh, it's weird. I, I quite liked it. I thought it was a bit too horror movie-esque, though. I, I thought too, the running backwards... Too horror backwards, movie-esque for you. Running backwards and forwards in front of the camera didn't make sense. It didn't... I think the whole thing was a bit of an artistic reimagining rather than an actual flashback. I don't think it's supposed to really represent what actually happened. Mm. Because we got the reflection in the eye, We Adam clearly didn't actually see that person. We got whoever it was running around you're not going to run around in the darkness when you want to attack somebody are you you're just going to walk up to them when they're distracted and hit them unless you're a bistro ninja bistro ninja's dead um yeah i i didn't mind it i was i was wondering what we would get because i think matt hilton had directed thursday and wednesday's episodes as well we hadn't seen any of his yeah, he did a trademark we, there were a weird few, camera angles there were a few thing. that you didn't notice there, there was it wasn't obvious and it wasn't so i was thinking what are we going to get on friday so when it started off with this i was like oh okay and, and i think i have got over the fact that cory doesn't do that partly because i've seen having watched some of the older episodes sometimes they always kind of did and it wasn't very often and part of me is like oh well they do it now I've lost that battle against... So what you don't like, what are you, you know, complaining about? Breaking tradition and yeah. having filmic things, having the music montages, having the sound effects. Yeah, I fought I, against I'm totally it for over long it enough. now. I don't care anymore. And it's they, like, okay. They, it's like they do it on let's, purpose. Let's just enjoy it like they want us to. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What else was there going? So the Christmas card thing to Rick, just jumping completely to that now... Um, are we to assume that Gary sent Kelly that Christmas card? Who? So she told Gary that, that she got this card, right? Yeah. It must be Gary then. Because mm. Gary wasn't surprised. If if somebody else had sent it, Gary would have gone, what? Can I see it? I can't remember whether she told Gary or whether she told Maria, but um, we did find out that it got sent in for forensics, and that made me wonder, like, has Gary been really stupid, or would... And... I don't think it would be stupid of him to not realise that they would they would dust this for prints. I suppose if he's been doing it, you know, he's for the past year and a half, pretending to be his yeah. her dad, trying to throw the think, police off I the scent. I don't think he would have worn gloves to do this. Mm-hmm. So that's going to come and bite him. If he does, he's smart than I thought he was. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so that's that's ongoing. Also, um, can we just point out that um, who does he know, does he know how to do Rick's handwriting? I don't know actually. I think even as a young child, I would know my parents' handwriting from anybody else's handwriting. Yeah, that I is a really got, good point. He's got evidence. He's got he's like got a Rick's book, little black book, so he can copy the handwriting. But the other thing that I'm thinking that they d- didn't get brought up, so it can't be what actually happened, but it would make total sense is that it just got sent from like yeah, funky, funky pigeon, pigeon or, green pig, yeah, yeah, just just go on a, a website that 
posts the cards directly to the person and it's all typed out. There's no handwriting involved. But the police wouldn't then... See, if I was if I was pretending to be Rick and abroad in some foreign country, I might think that that's, that's the best option. Done, yeah. Like, oh, I've left it a bit late, so I'm going to send something that will get to you in time for sure. Well, also, I'm really lazy. Like, I personally will send cards from there because I don't have to write in it or remember anything or put a stamp on it. It gets sent straight there. The only thing is you don't get your handwriting inside it. Mm. Tell you what, if if Rick Nealon really did send that card, you know what that makes him? A card shark. <laughs> Let's move on to the next story, Gemma. The happy story of the week. Eventually it got there. All I want for Christmas is show. Yep, so Monday, Shona wakes up, she's hungover. She and Simon had been gallivanting and frolicking in the um, in the bistro Oh, overnight. yeah, that kind of got... Um, well, it was very briefly brought up. It got swept under the carpet, didn't it? No consequences. She's ironing apologetically later. David finds her and he says, are you still angry? I won't, it won't happen again. Thank you for sticking by me. And then Ray comes and says to Dave, well, they're outside. And, and Ray's saying to David, oh, I've got the memory stick of CCTV footage of Simon and your radio rental misses. I'm going to give it to the cops. And David says... I'll I'll get I'll give you the money for everything they took and Ray's not really interested. He says, "What I want you to do is stop slacking me off and drop the campaign against me." And David doesn't want to do this, but he has no choice really, and he wants the the evidence back. But Ray's like, "No way, I'm not giving it back." Well, to it's you. silly anyway. Ray could have handed him over this memory stick. It probably well, cost him a fiver, and he's like, oh, yeah, "I've got a, go. I've got it on the my, my computer. It's on my hard drive just over there." Yeah. Um, yeah, so he goes back home. He tells Shane about the CCTV and explains what what's happened. And she's like, oh, brilliant, you sorted it out then. And David's annoyed because it really isn't sorted out. And he wanted, he didn't want to have to give this concession to Ray. And he's she's put him in an awkward position, but she doesn't really realise it. Mm. So he goes off on a huff. He wants to chat later and he asks her, are you happy? And she says, no. And she he says, would you be happier if you live somewhere else, like Roy's. And she says, yes. So, so well, that's the end of that then, isn't it? So later later on, Shona's been thinking about this and she says, I think I got the questions, I got the answers wrong to the questions. Can you ask me them again? And David says, no point. You told me what you, what you think. It's not working. We should split up. Let's wait till after Christmas to tell the kids. And they both look really sad. And this was just like a classic misunderstanding kind of, I can see where it came from because David just, you know, is at the end of his rope here with trying to work, navigate through Shona's strange thoughts. Well, he's already been saying to Gail, like, this last week, I don't think this is working. And then this was confirmation from Shona herself, isn't it? It's like the the Shona that he married is gone forever. She'll never come back. And although Shona can remember some things from from her life before... Her personality is very, very different. I mean, there's still some things that are similar about her to to the old Shona, but she's a different person. Mm. And it really, this is one of those things where you think, when you when you do your marriage vows and you say for better or for worse and all this stuff, does it count if the person? <laughs> I know, but I'm saying like the person's personality has changed, and it's not just being shot in a box that can do stuff like this to you. Like you can have a brain tumor and your personality can change, or just even a concussion or something. Or well, it's like or it's like Arthur with his wife in the hospital, isn't it? He's still sticking by her, yeah, even and though she doesn't even know who he is. And it's understandable in both scenarios. Like 
what Arthur's doing is completely understandable, but what David's saying as well is like, it's the same thing. It's difficult to to know. Mm. So on Wednesday, um, Nina, Nina triumphantly gives Shona this portrait that she seems to have been commissioned by Shona for a present <laughs> for, for David, and it's a drawing of the Platt family. And Shona doesn't really like it, and she says, well, we split up. And you can see Nina thinking, well, thank you for telling me before I finished <laughs> this goddamn picture and framed it for thank you. Thank goodness I didn't colour it in. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Nina. Um, David sees Maria and tells her that they're splitting up. Shona compares David to Cheesecake. And she says, I used to like them, but now I only really um, eat them every so often. Well, she says, people tell me I used to love cheesecake, so I eat cheesecake to try and get the same enjoyment out of them that I used to. So that's much the same way, like David. People say I used to like David, but actually he's just... I can take it or leave it. Yeah. But she is shoveling cheesecake in her face as she says this, so perhaps she's not quite as in touch with her feelings as she thinks she is. Hmm. David goes into the Rovers and... Daisy sort of hones in on him when he reveals that he and Shona have split up then Gemma comes in and Daisy does not like her at all this is the first meeting between Gemma and Daisy kind of in a way sisters but not particularly in any way well no the the relationship there is that Daisy is Jenny's step daughter and Gemma and Jenny were both well Jenny was fostered by Rita yes and Gemma was... She helped Rita across the road to get that Good Samaritan Award. Got a Good Samaritan Award once by being friendly with Rita. So in a way... I mean, they did kind of bond when Rita had her brain tumour. Yeah. And they were both sort of Rita's daughters, so... Yeah, Gemma, Gemma looks on Rita as a kind of mother figure. Yeah. In the same way that Gemma does. Not Gemma, Jenny. Jenny. Well, not really in the same way. But that way, doesn't but... really make you sisters. But Gemma thinks that they, they are now and wants to wear her shoes. <laughs> yeah, was it, doesn't um, Daisy make a sarky comment about Gemma? Gemma's clothes and Gemma's like, oh, you can wear them if you like. Yeah. And, uh, she doesn't uh, get no. that uh, Daisy is just being I hate cow. this mean girl bullshit. Gemma? Can you just make a note of that? But I hate it when I don't think girls do this in real life. I really don't. I don't. People that just brazenly will tell you that they like your outfit, but they're taking the mick out of you. I don't think that that happens as much as it does in fiction. I'm sorry. And, and you went to an all-girls school, so you'd know about it if it did. In our girls' school, we're all very frank and honest with one another. If you turned up with your uniform looking a bit crap, people would tell you. <laughs> they wouldn't be like, oh my God, where did you get your amazing skirt from? We'd be like, well, same place as you, Woolworths. <laughs> <laughs> so, she's being horrible to Gemma and we're I don't know what we're supposed to think about that nothing particularly because um, Daisy is mysteriously absent from this story now which is why you said that you reckon that Daisy well David had a bit of oh, Daisy yeah. Nookie yeah Daisy Nookie um, which it wouldn't surprise me I don't think so now do you not no it just felt what like happened on Friday just because that's happened on Friday, they needed to have a feel-good ending to the Christmas episode. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if we find out in a week, two weeks, in a month or whatever that David and um, Daisy did get busy between the sheets. And that's as much as I hate the idea of it. And I think, would they really do that? Well, David has shown in the past that, like many of the At other the men... the hat. On the as street. Soon as they're as soon on a break. As, yeah. Because well, that's this, what he did with Emma. That's, exactly. That's what happened with Emma. That's what happened with Adam and Carla... Jumping it seems bed. like, yeah, if you're in a relationship and you get out of it, literally, 
within minutes, even, the next even, woman that comes along, you can get them into bed somehow. Not even that you're out of the relationship. You just say, perhaps we should break up. And then the next minute, it's like you, you're, you're free and single now. Yeah. So anyway, Roy asks Shona how David makes her feel. And she says, oh, she, he makes me feel safe. I feel loved. And he makes me laugh. And she sa- he says, well, why don't you try again? So she wants to talk to him when he gets home and he's not interested. And I can't remember where it comes up because I don't think you've written it here or maybe it happened on Friday, I don't know. What? But basically, it it turns out that when she was asked these questions, are you happy? She answered them for how she was feeling at that precise second. And that's not how she feels all the time. But she didn't make that clear to David and he didn't ask her any further questions. Mm. So when she said, I'm not happy, it wasn't because she wasn't happy in general. It was just because she wasn't happy quite right then. And she's also saying that she was upset because she always gets the, she always says something wrong or she's always in trouble or she doesn't well, she know says what this she's on saying. Friday, it's in the Victoria Garden scene, I think. And she says that at least when I'm with Roy, I'm not having to pretend to be someone else and I can just act and be completely normal whereas when I'm staying with you I'm always trying to live up to this you know Shona that everybody says was just so amazing yeah on Thursday um he says to Shona David says we're we're going to get social services to find somewhere for you to live I will support you um and he he then he talks about Barney about Barney the rabbit just to set up Friday basically was this when he says the worst thing that's ever happened to me was when my rabbit died (laughs) and I was like what about when your wife was stabbed to death and you cradled her corpse in the street crying to the sky and that it was the worst thing that had happened to him at the time and I don't know whether I can't remember that was pre or post Hillman Canal diving but so every single time anything's ever happened to him since then, he's like, at least this isn't as bad as that time <laughs> Barney died. David reveals to Sarah and Nick... I imagine he's just like got an internal ranking of all the bad things that have happened to him. Yeah, Barney's it's probably like a top 50 one. by now. <laughs> um, <laughs> there was a bit... What was it? What? Oh, anyway, yeah. So Dave, David tells... Sarah and Nick that they've split up and they're like this seems like a bad idea to me Shona comes home she's a bit cagey she goes upstairs she won't say what happened um, on Friday the, every, all the plaques are opening presents there's a mysterious um, lump in the corner that David thinks is for the children but it turns out to be for him from Shona it is a six foot rabbit with a with a bow eye that looks a bit phallic it did when David grabbed hold of it and I think Jack P. Shepard put this on his Instagram a couple of weeks ago with the preview pictures when this came out and yeah he grabs hold of this bunny's bow tie and it, it makes a shape definitely makes a shape yeah go back and rewatch that if you want to see what we mean don't Shona and David are on the sofa and they're talking about Christmas's past and Shona says that she- <laughs> Shona's like did it used did it used to snow here before I got shot and David's a bit like well yeah kind of sometimes literally every other year it snows in Weatherfield it's not like everywhere else in the country it's almost guaranteed you're gonna get some sort of snow yeah um she she says I wish I'd seen it I wish I could see snowy a snowy Christmas because to her those are those aren't her memories mm. um there's a bit of a bit of chaos going on when lily comes screaming in the room because she's got a bead up her nose <laughs> bloody lily let's just leave her at the hospital they'll go to any including the rabbit 
which David says is definitely not coming. So as soon as he said that, you knew that the, the rabbit that would was, be along. That for was the a ride. really well done, and and usually they don't jump from one story and then the next scene is the same story, no. do they? But this one is, yeah, it was it was the classic of no, no way, no, that's not happening. And, and then, then the next, it's happened, it, and it's and it was, it's really cheesy, and uh, it was Christmas. But it, the the just the, the look that David gives, and he's like, "Happy flipping Christmas!" And the fact that the rabbit's sitting there in the hospital with a mask over his muzzle as well. I thought that was brilliant. Well. The fact I thought that it, it had was, a face mask on. Yeah, I thought it was very funny. Shona's bored, so she gets a, a copy of Hire magazine, and she does a multiple choice love match compatibility quiz with David, and they realise that actually they have some things in common. But when it comes to what are your greatest fears, Shona says that hers is losing loved ones and David it's clowns um I think they say something she says something like she's not lost anybody because she can't remember whereas he has and he thinks you know you get over it I guess <laughs> yeah, you know so what bad. I'm saying yeah and clowns are scary <laughs> I think that David <laughs> just wasn't uh, wanting to be open with his feelings. There. Well, also, I think it was a bit of a yeah. It like. was a bit of a confrontational question for Christmas Day for a man who has, like we said, lost a wife to a very violent crime to the person who he's talking to's son. Mm. Well, they they commented on the episode about oh, this ramped up quickly, didn't it? Because the questions start off with generic Christmas stuff and then it goes onto the onto the heavy it. stuff. And it was one of those things that is like... Oh. It's when, when Corrie does stuff like that, I think, oh, that's not realistic. I don't think that a magazine would do that. Oh, I don't Just think Just in the same read... way, even when Lily got a bead up her nose... You I don't was read like saying, women's oh, magazines very much. I don't think she would get a bead up her nose. What are you talking about <laughs> i don't know i just some of the things that happened i was like well that's stupid of all the things that happened michael of all the things that happened on christmas those are the two things that are the most likely to have happened and you're the one that has a problem with them <laughs> children get stuff stuck up their nose all the time especially oh. beads all right do you want to tell the story about when you got something stuck up your nose i don't know whether this, this has been before. on the podcast before I've said this before, which is fine anyway. When we were watching it, my mum says to me, you got something stuck up your nose. I was like, yeah, I know. Which time are you talking about? Well, I'm thinking about the time that you had cotton wool stuck up your nose and then you put more cotton wool up there <laughs> to try and get it Well, down. yeah, I was little. I used to... I, this I is when, I before found, she met me. I thought, well, I was like, I don't know. I was definitely under the age of 10 and I thought I had found an amazing hack to pick my nose with, with cotton wool instead of <laughs> using a tissue. And and I, and I pushed it all the way up, and then I couldn't get it back out. So how I thought, was it a hack? Just that so you keep the tissue up there, and then you never have to. No, I don't know, Michael. Listen, I <laughs> never need to blow really... your nose again because the cotton wool's no, up there to absorb it. No, it wasn't a plan. It. No, I was going to pull it back out. So the idea is, the cotton wool like fills your nostril cavity, and then you pull it, and then it brings all the bogies out with it, <laughs> like some kind of like cleaning plug. So I put it up there, and I couldn't get it back out. So I was like, well, the only way to get this out now is to use another bit of cotton wool really so i put another one up there wouldn't you know it that one wouldn't come out either <laughs> pushing and pushing um and just managed to wedge it further up my nose got another bit tried to do the same thing and thought this isn't what this is bad i'd really not working so i won't do that again but now i feel pretty stupid so i won't tell anybody i've done this because i don't want them to tell me off for being an idiot so i just keep this quiet <laughs> And then over several days, all of this packed up 
cotton wool began to fester in my nose <laughs> until my parents and my grandparents could smell my horrible breath from all this infected cotton wool jammed inside my brain <laughs> and so they had to take me to the doctor got a pair of pliers and started digging around and pulled out the, the most ridiculous quantity if, of if cotton wool if they had YouTube there and somebody at that time and somebody had filmed that that would have got thousands of hits yeah people love that sort of stuff it's like the YouTube videos of people squeezing spots oh and stuff. I hate that and I don't know pushing out the no, blackheads no, no, that have been no. there for years well, that was my story. I don't know why I had to tell that on this podcast. but Christmas! But yeah, I mean, children do stuff like that, Michael. You should know this. I would guess that your children are a bit older <laughs> than these ones. Yes. And also, women's magazine, not the highest, specifically seems to be a women's magazine, just a gossip magazine, which is aimed at women. But they do, they do weird questionnaires. All right, all right. Yeah, when was the last time you did a love match compatibility? compatibility no, there, just, there were a few things in this week's episode that I thought, that I don't buy this. It's just in there for a joke. Of course. But um, she they're talking about the wedding and she doesn't remember it and she's a bit upset. Then Aggie, he's working at, on Christmas Day. She's single-handedly running the NHS on, on the Christmas Day, I think, Aggie. She brings, she comes to get Lily so she can have this this bead removed. And Lily was being a bit difficult and she won't let Aggie get in there. So I can't remember what happens, but Lily and Shona are left by themselves and Shona's making her laugh. She says, what's, what's the joke that she tells? What's silent and smells like carrots? Rabbit trump. <laughs> And in my mind, I just imagined a, a rabbit that was orange with a big puff of blonde hair <laughs> going, big news. <laughs> well, eventually, um, Aggie's allowed uh, to, to have an investigate up her nose. And then uh, I, I like how the camera did this. It kind of pans away from Aggie and Lily just as she's about to get in there so that so that Lorna didn't actually have to go anywhere near. There was another, yeah, there were a few and really then, good. And then Shona's like... What's, what's that? What's, that smells like carrot. Yeah. And, and then I, th- I think Barney too is just guffed. <laughs> so northern. <laughs> um, and, then, and then David's there listening out in the corridor, isn't he? And it was just so, yes. Yeah, and nice he obviously from shots. this realises that Shona, despite what her flaws, which are that she can't remember anything, she's still really, really great with the kids. Yeah. And it could be a lot worse. So, you know, that's an endearing quality to him, isn't it? Mm. Shona then sees David getting glue wine from from Daisy, and they're sort of they're kind of flirting with each other. This is this is one of the reasons, I suppose, why I thought that the Daisy Nookie didn't happen because I would have thought they might have mentioned it or alluded to something happening. I think the fact the they were flirting day. maybe might have been. Mm. I don't know, um, but yeah. So um, she's she's immediately starts having a go at both of them saying listen why don't you just break up with me now so you can get together with little miss moose face and and uh daisy says these are reindeer antlers <laughs> she's like i know i'm i'm uh brain damaged not stupid <laughs> she walked off um then there's Vicky garden scenes and this is when shona's talking about what you said before about i can be myself when i live with roy because i i'm not trying to be anyone else or live up to anything and David says, well, maybe maybe if we can't be happy all the time, there's no point in trying to, to, to do this at all. And then they start to talk about how they're both messed up and he doesn't know how he'll cope without her. And they do make each other happy. And really, you can't be happy all the time anyway. So why are they splitting up? Yeah, David says things are hard. 
And Shona says, life is hard. We need to buckle down and keep going to, through it together. And he's still, and he says, I still love you and I've got an idea how I can prove it. So they have this really gorgeous scene where they all go to the factory. They shown him, uh, David makes Shona wear um, a veil and he talks her through what happened at the at the wedding, which was another one of these things where mum and dad were watching this and David was explaining the situation around how he, they got married. And it's like the, the show, it was jail. like the show knew how stupid these things are. And maybe the person who wrote the script was thinking, I bet there are people explaining things like this to their relatives on Christmas Day. Because he was talking her through, like, I just got out of prison. I was wearing my prison... Um, tracksuit blah 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 and he does his little speech about um donut oh yeah don't look at the hole or whatever when something something let this be your goal no. look at the donut that, not the hole, hole or something, something like that yeah. i thought it was silly at the time it was more it felt more appropriate this time i heard the story um there was fairy lights everywhere i don't know how he managed to get fairy lights Let's, literally every inch of wall in the factory was covered in these big fairy lights i think there's been a shortage of fairy lights this year i think people have gone out a bit more trying to decorate their houses than they used to mm. so that doesn't make any sense and <laughs> and then they had this yeah he just re- recreated it and it was really fun and nice and it was sweet, really sweet. Yeah. And it was a sense of humour about it. And David was charming. I Jack P. Shepard is just sometimes so effortlessly cool. Like, there was one bit where he kind of turns around and looks at her and gives this smile. And it's like, oh, you're such a charmer. It really Almost was. won me over, Jack. <laughs> oh, my, I will. <laughs> um... It was. It was just. Yeah. It was. It was lovely. And Shona was enchanted, wasn't she? Yeah. And and she got to relive this moment that she had thought it was lost forever in her memory, and it was like they got married again, wasn't it? Yeah. So now she'll be able to remember that. Yes. And it's like it's like he accepted her for who she was and said, "I'd marry you again." Mm. And here we go. Let's do it. And then it all ends in a silly string fight where they run through. Uh, the factory outside into the garden. The refrain of "All I Want for Christmas Is You," from, which is my favourite Christmas song. a beautiful song, song by Mariah Carey, and then it begins to snow. Of course, and Shona standing Showing in the, the garden with her veil on, hands to her face, looking into the sky as the snowflakes fall, and we end the episode on a totally really. Not What's the end of the episode? Yeah, I, I really thought that was so sweet and nice and low key. And I tell you another thing. Doesn't this again show you that character moments yeah. are way better than some of the stunts? I, I was a whole lot more invested in that than any of the Carrie Rick. I'm not talking Maria specifically thing. about that because no, I really I... enjoyed that, but the, I think they've done a really good job. And on that, I know you don't, but in the Gary and, and, and stuff of of building up a story that's based on characters. But what I'm saying is, last year, we had Robert shot to death on the pavement outside of the Rovers. Oh, that was good. It was good, but I think this will make a, a better Christmas Day episode memory to me than Robert getting shot. Because nobody be remembered right, okay. next, the next week. Nobody bloody remembered that Robert <laughs> was dead. Whereas this story feels like it was... A, a beginning of a new chapter for D- Shona and David. Yeah, it could have come across as ridiculously cheesy. I'm sure some but, people thought uh, it was yeah, cheesy. And I'm sure, yeah, but I, I was watching it thinking, no, I'm enjoying this, this is actually. Sweet. 
This is sweet. And then and they ha- and that was when they had Aggie coming home and Ed raises a glass to her and they have Yasmin looking out the window like what's going on here. Oh, then. she looks out the window and, and she, she sees them sees fighting them and, and smiles. smiles. Yeah. And David makes a line about Gail's gonna have to clean all this up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> that was quite funny. Um, yeah. So that was that was the end of the Christmas episode. So very nice ending. I thought nice bit of coziness. It on was Christmas Day. So it's not all dark and murderous and people out to get each other and drop each other in it and, and yeah which, which I, I just didn't the thing I was going to mention earlier about um, Shona blurting stuff out was when David was saying something what did he say and then she she said like getting raped and Kylie getting stabbed or something like that yeah he'd said I can't remember He he talk, he's talking about some bad memories or whatever and then she very bluntly says yeah like getting raped and da- Kylie getting stabbed and, and David's delivery of like yes I, I can't <laughs> yeah. do it but the way he said it oh he was so good there was so really great really great performances again <laughs> really great and we often praise um, we often praise characters for their comedy or their dramatic performances on Coronation Street but this this was kind of like somewhere in between, wasn't it? This was like a, just a sweet... Yeah, a nice bit of both. And there's not really very many romantic scenes that I buy, personally, on, on the show. But this was one of the best romance stories that there's been for, for years on Coronation Street. And you wouldn't have necessarily picked Jack P. Shepard as the character of, you know, the character of David to, to play a romantic storyline. I, I just think. wonder what's going to happen but next. Shona and David together on Christmas Day, one of the best romantic stories I've seen for a long time. Is it going to be just just for Christmas, though? Are they going to go I back to next week? I don't know. Not being able to live with each other. Is she going to be putting her foot in it again? Then he's going to say, oh, maybe we need There's to There's definitely a reason or... why Daisy's involved. Yeah, that's and what I'm thinking. And if it was just for Christmas flirting and... Um, Shona telling her to do one was it like to establish that Shona is still emotionally invested in this relationship and it helped David to realize that she must have feelings for him if she's that jealous about them talking to each other was it for that reason alone I don't know Daisy's definitely not done a lot of things but one of the things that she has done is to let David know that she quite fancies him I don't really want that complication in the I story. don't need that I feel if, like this if that's is like over the end. now then then good yeah I, like, I feel like this is a really nice end point. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I don't know what to think of Daisy at the moment. She's she's starting to feel a little bit one-dimensional to me. Yeah. And I'm hoping that come New Year... I mean, we're going to have Johnny's trial coming up soon, aren't we? And I don't think I've written notes or anything about it here, but we had one or two other scenes of... Oh, there was that scene where Jenny was doing her singing with her AirPods and the Rovers, wasn't oh, she? Yeah. And then... Johnny says to her, oh, we'll have Christmas. And she's like, I don't want to talk about your trial again. So that's Shout obviously out to Sally Ann Matthews there for doing the very nice little a cappella performance of a they song. They totally should have had the kiss of day goodbye. Um, what? I, that, you know, that other song, that, the, the, the song that Jenny is famed for singing to Alec Gilroy in the 80s. They should have had, had her doing that just as a bit of a in-joke. Um, yeah, and, and there, there was one point as well where Daisy mentions to someone about she needs to get rid of that Johnny is Charles coming up but so she's obviously going to be causing mischief be, there yeah. but I don't know when exactly that's going to be it feels like it's imminent but this story is has been treading water for month month and a half or so now well with Johnny trying to bring it up and Jenny saying no let's not talk about it I'd yeah. almost rather that they just didn't mention it until it until it was going to start and, well you 
then complain that things don't get established. Well, you 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 complain when things get. Do, what do you think is going to happen with it? Is he going to get sent down or not? I think not? he's going to get a suspended sentence. It feels. It feels to me like listen, people have been let out of prison in many different countries because of coronavirus. I don't think we're any exception. I don't think they want custodial sentences for people who. I mean, it was it. I don't think he was a violent. It wasn't a violent crime from his his participation in it, was it? He ran. He ran into someone. With his car, that seems pretty violent to me. I know he wasn't the one that stamped over him. I know it was, I know, but it wasn't, that was an accident, wasn't it? I don't know. What I'm saying is that happened so long ago, he didn't, he hasn't done anything like it since. Mm. I just don't, I just think that the law can sometimes give people a bit more leeway than you think it does. And if I was a judge and I'm looking at a guy who's got MS during a pandemic who committed a crime so long ago and hasn't done anything since, I would say, you you really have to be punished for this, but I can't put you in prison. Mm-hmm. Custodial sentences aren't the only option. Maybe it's just going to be like, you know, it was two years ago that Jenny was facing her trial, wasn't it? And in the end, they just dropped it. They went, this is boring. <laughs> Never mind. Maybe if Johnny be lucky and that'll happen to him. But yeah, Jen, Daisy's going to be I don't think that she's going anywhere. I don't think he's going anywhere, is what I'm saying. It just feels like Johnny's done so little this year. It feels like he's such a... He's so low down on the character appearance list. It wouldn't surprise me if he did just slip away. And it'd be a shame if he did, because I think they've done a bit of a number on his character this year. Yeah, me too. Made him a bit too... He's pathetic. Yeah, basically. And I'd like to see him and Jenny he coming back from this as a united front. He came into the show as like a, a big, brash factory boss asserting his dominance, saying, look, you, um, Aiden, you stole money off me. This is my factory now. I'm taking charge. Telling people what to do. Um, very authoritative. Bit of a catch for Jenny. The big, rich guy coming in. He's a shadow of his and former now self he's a, now. He's a snivelling, pathetic whiny regretful old man mm. who who if you blew on him he'd fall over yeah it's not it's not what i want as a rover's landlord i understand that he has ms but i i i think that there's you know it's not down to it's not down to people in real life to have to battle their illnesses with dignity so other people don't feel bad about it but in a television show yeah i feel like it feels sad to me if you've got MS and you're watching Johnny and you're thinking, maybe I, you know, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I think I can do too much and perhaps I should be more like Johnny, like scared and and trying to hide myself away. Mm. It doesn't feel doesn't feel like a really nice, you know. And there's you know there's definitely like inspiration porn and things to say about you know people with um, illnesses and disabilities aren't your kind of pets or like inspiration stories for you to feel good about yourself and you know to get off on like the happy feeling of somebody overcoming the odds it's not that's not what I'm trying to say I'm trying to say that we talk about representation on the show and how when somebody is like you it makes you more interested and it also gives you I don't know something something like a communally shared experience that you you feel kinship with that person and it it makes you feel seen to Mm. to have somebody like you on the television 
I don't think many people are like looking to Coronation Street to help them through their MS diagnosis because of Johnny, <laughs> just because of what you know what he's done. Yeah, I yeah. want him to overcome it. I want him, I want this to be a story of inspiration, not a story that you know make, feels hopeless and sad. Yeah, I mean if if Jenny comes out more empowered from him and and she has to take sole charge of the Rovers or something, maybe that could be... That was something that I'm hoping might happen. Exciting to watch. If but... Johnny ends up going into prison. I mean, he, if he does get a custodial sentence, it, I'm, sure, I'm sure it won't be for very long. I'm mm. sure it'll be just a few months. Yeah. Um, but I think that that could be the making of Jenny because at the moment, she's also floundering a little bit. Mm. She's in denial. She won't face her demons head on. She's being a bit weak. Yeah, no, she is. She, and she's and not she's, supporting And she's Johnny a bit either. of a pushover. And she's a bit she blind thinks... to Daisy's um, Machiavellian streak as well. I think she thinks she's supporting um, Johnny by not talking about it, but she isn't. Mm. Anyway, back to back to the David stuff. And uh, I just want, before we move on, I wanted to talk about the fact that he has now supposedly dropped this hate campaign against Ray, which was a story that was, you know, surprisingly absent this week considering well, where we've just been a couple of weeks ago with the diggers and now things seem to have gone quiet and and, and it was only last week that debbie was saying let's do our plan b let's get these you know let's get the ball rolling david was never in a particularly strong position to oppose ray's plans anyway so well it's not going to stop everyone else anyway no, I is know. it no i think ray i think ray was right to use the because I don't think he could have got much out of getting Shona and Simon in trouble. It would have just made everyone else hate him just as more, more mm, than they already did. So I think Ray was right to use that as a trump card to get David to back off of him. But he still has many other people to oppose him. Yeah. And David wasn't the ringleader anyway. No, definitely not. Right, next story then. So Leanne and Nick and, and all that stuff. So Monday... Nick is going back to work. He's getting his back to work suit on. Leanne's decided that today's the day she's going to try and tidy up Oliver's room. It's probably just covered in all the snotty tissues from all the all the crying that she's done in there the Rude. last few weeks. Um, Toya is there and she has got her pomegranate top on. Why did you, you call notice? it the pom- pomegranate top? I thought top. that you called it the pomegranate top. Oh, it's I don't colour? know. It's that colour. It's a spiky... We haven't seen that since the factory collapse, I thought. Anyway, I he, love that. He tells Toya that he doesn't think that Leanne should be left alone. Um, am I right to be worried about this? And Toya's like, don't worry, don't worry. You need, she needs to have time on her own. It's, it's going to be okay. And then Natasha comes in all frantic. Sam's gone missing. Meanwhile, Leanne is totally not coping over in the lounge back at home. She's reading Mr Tickle, having a cry to herself. She's, um, yeah, having a moment. Me, and meanwhile, Nick and Toya and Natasha are all split up to try and locate Sam. Toya's going to check on Victoria Gardens, which I think is probably the most sensible suggestion because mm. generally when people go missing at the moment, that's where they turn They're up. They're being moody. Um, Natasha leaves another answer phone message on Sam's phone um, and they eventually uh, run to Gail, who's got Sam. Apparently Sam had told her that Natasha had dropped him off at the house, but it's all lies. He's just trying to get away from his mum. Um, so he gets a bit of a stern talking to back at number eight and this is when Natasha is forced to admit to Nick that the reason that Sam's upset and ran off is because she has got a new salon in London on Christmas Eve no less she's got to move down there drop everything and Sam's coming with 
Sam is not happy with either the pollution but levels or the distance from Weatherfield. It's only it a few London. months, though, she says. It's three months, yeah. That she, she says she that got she to help set it up. Set it up for three months just and then like, she can come back to Weatherfield again. Just like Raquel had to do. <laughs> well, this, um, I, don't think on, I don't think on Monday we knew that. Uh, it felt like it was a lot more final then. Um, and Sam's telling Natasha that she's selfish because he wants to stay. He's only just reconnected with his dad. Nick's sitting on the fence about this, and Sam leaves without even looking at his dad. So Nick goes back home later. Leanne has not been able to face clearing Oliver's stuff after all. Um, Nick pops out. I call it lazy. And Leanne answers Nick's (laughs) phone call from Sam. Who's, who proceeds to cry down the phone to Leanne about this situation that he's got himself into. And Leanne says, look, Nick, you need to tell Sam a firm no. You can't just let him stay here. I was you've really surprised just, by this. You've only just got to know him. His family, or his mum, is moving to London and he, he, you can't leave him hanging. I was really surprised by this because I was expecting some twee thing of like Leanne saying, Nick, you have to let him stay with us. Blah, 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 blah. But she was like, oh my... Like, when she said, Nick... Sam's just been on the phone and he's crying about the fact he has to move to London. And then she says, you can't tell him he can't live with us. <laughs> Which I thought was like, uh, uh, she's still being really honest, but yeah. also a, a tiny bit of a bitch. <laughs> Wouldn't have her any other way. <laughs> he he says, look, I, I admit I, I want Sam to stay with us if it is possible, but I know you wouldn't be able to face it, Leanne. It's too soon. He's basically telling Leanne, I would pick you over my son. Yeah, basically. Which she doesn't really get. I don't think she's too much in grieving and she's too worried about herself to really ponder the enormity of what he's actually saying to her. Mm. Um, I don't think she appreciates this as much as she should do. But mm. Nick is like, yeah, I know that you couldn't. Yeah, and then Nick and Sam decide that they're going to have a early Christmas day together on Wednesday. So he's got the Christmas jitters come Wednesday morning. Leanne steps in with her elite gift wrapping skills. This annoyed me. This really annoyed me. What? This is when Nick... Nick goes, oh, do girls have a special Christmas Christmas wrapping, gift wrapping lesson that boys don't have? I thought that was funny. I thought, I, I know you thought that was funny. It's not really funny. It's another example of how men, like, don't have any expectations put don't upon tarnish them. us all with the same brush. I might be useless, but I'm sure there's plenty of fantastic male gift wrappers. I'm sure there are, thing. exactly. It's not genetic. It's not a secret lesson. All you have to do is give a crap about what you're doing and have people expect you to be good at stuff. <laughs> Women don't want to be good at everything domestic. We just always get left with it because <laughs> men are doing something they think is more important. It really annoyed me me it was really sexist i know it was supposed to be a silly joke and i'm taking it the wrong way but it really really bothered me like you, you can that? learn to wrap a present yourself nick there's nothing inherently gendered about wrapping presents <laughs> you've just decided that it's beneath you um i really liked leanne on the beginning of wednesday's episode and i know he was amount. being i know he was making a joke and he was upset and he was worried and he ob- uh, he was obviously trying to do something and he was more nervous than he would have been. But I know he's not the only man who has made a joke along these lines. <laughs> it's just not funny. Yeah, I was saying I, I really appreciated Leanne on uh, Wednesday because despite everything that she's gone through, she does her best, doesn't she, to help make this early Christmas day for Sam really well, special. I mean, despite what I just said, there is no denying that most of these chores to prepare for Christmas fall upon in many households, the head of the, the main woman, 
or the group of women who were involved. She's many made, many men, as you say, do all these she's things. She's wrapped all the presents. She's done the Christmas dinner. This was like a symbolic... Decorations. She was being symbolically the mother. Yeah. But at the end of the day, she left before they could actually enjoy all of the fruits of her labour. Yeah, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a Christmas day for her. She was just getting it set up. And I think and she's this about was like, to start crying. So she, this was an act leaves. of love and service for Nick, for Nick and, and Sam. And in a way, it was also for Ollie because he couldn't be there. So she, she would have been doing this. Yeah. And she, she, she didn't have to because Ollie died, but then she got an opportunity to express her love through these yeah. kind of rituals of Christmas, sweet. which, you know, families... So, I mean, and, and, and in, in this country, unfortunately, there were families that couldn't do this mm. at Christmas because they couldn't be with their relatives because we were in... Some people were in lockdown before Christmas Day. So I think for some people, this was even more poignant. Can you imagine just how gut-wrenching it had been if Ollie had clung on to life for a little bit longer and Leanne would have decorated the, ho- the, the not hotel, the hospital room with with streamers and well, a little why, Christmas tree up and angels and things. This is why I'm glad they didn't do that because we, as a country, we didn't need that to be added on to Christmas. We're already experiencing it. There are people with empty chairs this Christmas because their relatives have died because of coronavirus. We don't need to have it rammed into our skulls by Coronation Street. So they did a really good... Yeah. Really no, good. I, I thought so as well. Mm. Um, well, the Anne started off well, but then when she comes back later, she goes back to her more normal Mardi self by when she, when she discovers oh, yeah. that Sam has tinkered about with Ollie's music box, which was this special one, wasn't it, that played the tune that she wanted uh, George to play at, the funeral. play at the funeral, and she goes right off on one. Well, the negligence really of, of Nick as a parent here to just let Ollie, um, let Sam demolish this thing that is precious he knows it's precious to Leanne he shouldn't have let her he, he said oh I should have kept more of an eye on him but I really don't think he like, had an excuse what else are you there. doing I, 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 I joke that it was like Leanne was back to her showing her true colours again and going off on one but I think that she was perfectly entitled and to have reacted in the way she did and I know it's Sam and I know Sam's cute and I know he's a kid and can't blame kids kids that always know what they're doing well, he, hasn't, he didn't break enough. it he, he, did, he didn't break it he said he would fix it I, I think that he was being a bit rude for taking apart something without asking. Mm. And, and and Nick that, was showing he's not a very he's not really ready to be a full time dad because he wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I know he was so tidying I, up, but if you've only got a limited amount of time with your child, you could spend it with them or you could spend it tidying up. Yeah. The tidying's not going anywhere. Mm. So she Le- Leanne later on admits that she overreacted to Nick, but I I, I honestly don't think that she did. I think that Sam maybe Deserves a bit of a telling off. Well, he's boundaries. He's smart and, into, and and clever and sweet and cool and funny. He but can't he's still just a kid. take apart things. No. that you fancy that you're interested in. Um, anyway, she admits to Nick that that I'm robbing you of a chance to be a dad here. You should move out, <laughs> and you'll be able to have Sam stay with you. Move out of your flat. And Nick's like, I don't, I don't think that's quite what I was going for. Um, <laughs> so Leanne says, "Look, Nick, right, you need to ask Natasha if Sam can stay with you for a while while she's in London." And she's and then Why don't she says, I move out? "I'll move, yeah, I'll move out if you want to." And then says, "No, you move out. You can rent somewhere. Actually, you're a great dad. Go and ask Natasha." And so he does. And unsurprisingly, although I think Nick was caught a bit off guard by this, Natasha's like, "No, he's coming with me." And Nick says, "Oh, come on, think about it. You don't know how Sam going. Look how annoying he is. I don't have Sam going there with you. It's only three months after all." Um, and then she says, "Okay, then that's fine." 
you can look after my son, <laughs> give me a bit of time off or something. I don't know what excuse that she comes up with in her mind for letting this not stranger look after the son, but somebody who was not a part of her life, you know, three months ago. Yeah, and now she's happy to let them look after him for another three months. It's, I, it didn't feel quite right with and me. And then she, he says... Live, let him live with me and then you can work remotely from Weatherfield. No, this, no, that. she, she, yeah, that's what she said, yeah. After this I'm, three months. I'm not even up. gonna go into how you work remotely for a nail salon. <laughs> I don't know. She's just managing it. She doesn't actually so hate do you, the nails. I'm, I'm sure she is, but just the thought, the, the hilarious thought of like you sitting at home with a webcam in front of you. And a, and a nail technician on the other end of the camera going, right now, just pick up the nail polish and just paint your thumbnail. Good. Now paint your next fingernail. And you're like, why am I paying you £12.50 <laughs> for this when I'm doing it all myself? This is a good opportunity for And nails. then the person says, get anywhere nice on your holidays this year. You know we're not. No one is. Shut up. <laughs> this is a perfect opportunity for nail technicians to expand their business in Weatherfield at the moment because it's just last year that the evil nail salonist Rachel was uh, taken yeah, down for her part in the slavery scandal. So there's yeah. probably a whole bunch of empty nail salons just waiting for Natasha to move into at the moment. Why is she going to London? Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, um, Nick goes home, tells Leanne and says, well, we're actually going to stay in Natasha's flat, so you're all right to stay here. And she seems a She's little like bit... weirded out. ...jealous about this, that maybe Natasha is taking her place in Nick's heart. I don't it know. It makes total sense that they go and stay in Natasha's flat because that's where Sam's used to. And and no matter how clever Sam is, he is still a little boy and too much upheaval, especially during this time, mm. would be a bit much for him, I think. Well, I guess it's also you know, nearby his school as well. And just for practical reasons, it makes more sense for him to, to be to living there. But is, yeah. Anyway, Thursday... Um, Toya brings Leanna Masaka around basically as an excuse to check up that she's okay and she's also got some news that a baby is coming over for last last week we found out that she'd been approved for fostering and uh, this new baby Mason is going to be coming around soon because his mum needs an operation it's going to be one night only deal how exciting is that Um, Leanna's a bit knocked for six by this because even though she gave Toya her permission not that she needed it, but, you know, to, to mm. carry on with the Her fostering. Blessing. Yeah, the blessing. I think that she didn't maybe expect it to happen so soon or when she's faced with the realities of my my sister is going to have a little baby and I've just lost my three-year-old. It's... Yeah, a bit much. It's all very well in saying it's okay, but to actually live it, that's another, another matter entirely. So she says, right, I can't do Christmas here. I'm going to bog off to France. Well, she tells Nick stay. this. Yeah, she tells Leanne. And, but she's lying. Yeah, she is. Well, she, although she tells Toya as well, because Toya's under the impression that Leanne's in France on, on Friday. But actually, she's just sitting around in a flat moping mm-hmm. to a sad, sad Christmas song about blue Christmas something, something, something. I can't believe she's missing out on all that amazing French Christmas food. Like, like foie gras and crevettes. <laughs> New Year is the place to go. No, Epiphany is the place to go to, uh, is the time to go to Galette France. De... That's when they have their Calette de Roi. Yeah. yeah. Um, Friday, Christmas. So this wasn't particularly Nick and Sam stuff, was it? It was all Toya and Imran who were enjoying their cute Christmas morning <laughs> cute with Christmas. baby Mason. Oh, they don't know what they're doing and it's sweet. <laughs> They've got no idea what they're doing. The baby's there in the crib. Of course, there's no opportunity because of filming restrictions to show them hugging the child when it's crying or anything. There's lots of shots of Toya looking into the crib, cuts two shots of baby, baby in a crib, which could very well be, be anywhere. anywhere. 
Um, but yeah, it was it was all very sweet, and it, Imran it is particularly loved up by her. And there's, oh. a, there's a bit um, where I can't does Toya say, "Oh yeah, I forgot Merry Christmas," and Imran's like, "Oh Merry Christmas." He holds his hand to his chest and he goes, <laughs> "Merry Christmas," and then they say. Oh, this is going to be his best Christmas, and Toya's like, "It's his first, first Christmas. Christmas." Oh, it yeah. was so her heart heartbreaking look when she says that, and and they say they're going to make it his best Christmas, but you know they both know he won't remember they ever existed, and I no. think that's sad as well. I think they know that they are they're like you know like Christmas ghosts almost. Like he's not never going to know unless somebody tells him. Yeah. Ne- he will never know he was there. Well, but well, Imran wants to give him something to remember by create by buying this big Walker buggy thing that he spends Aww. the rest of the episode moaning about not being able to put together. I doesn't thought this he? was so sweet. Where it turns out that all Mason really wants is a plastic bottle because wise woman Gemma comes round to offer her um, offer her advice to her him. experience. Uh, yeah, which includes storing a dummy in your bra. I thought this was just really... This was like one of those archetypal stories about new parents versus experienced parents where Toy and Imran were like, oh, what do we do with the baby? He's crying, he's crying. We don't want to give him a dummy. And then Gemma comes in and she fishes the dummy out of her bra and shoves it in the baby's mouth. And they're both horrified because it's like, you should sterilise it, you're going to kill him. And Gemma's like, nah, you know, I've tried killing my four, they're still alive. <laughs> tried setting them on fire that one time. Um, yeah, just this like... Um, I thought, I she, thought... Yeah, she says give him a plastic bottle because my kids love it. As much as I complain about Gemma on this podcast, I thought that that scene... I thought they, that, that was, was a good really good demonstration of what of how Gemma can be a good, still be a good character. Yeah, she, she told him about her vlog and everything, didn't she? Didn't she? Oh, yeah, she said, like, don't you know all this? It's all on my vlog. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I just thought that um, Toya and Imran are like ultimate helicopter parents aren't they you could tell if they actually had a kid together they'd be in their business all the time Mm. and the kid would be like playing the violin at the (laughs) age of six probably i'm surprised mason didn't come out crying in french (laughs) um toya gets a little bit teary later after she inexplicably calls um mason oliver yeah. Just just to pull on the heartstrings out. I don't know. I don't think she actually would have done that. But I, never I call, mind. I call thing I call sometimes I call Abby Safi. And they basically um they well, just agree that, like, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's our first yeah. to, to go. It's all right to don't, get things wrong. It's okay wrong. to get things wrong, but it's all right what if we he, kill off this one. Like, we this try again. They give us kid. another one. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Anyway, it turns out that the operation um that this mum had is is due to have has been pushed back, so they're gonna be looking after Mason for a little bit longer. So isn't that lovely, everybody? And we end the episode with Toya leaving a message on Leanne's answer phone, thinking that she's phoning her in France. But actually, she's alone in her flat. Yeah. Crying a little heart out. It's sad. It doesn't the ringtone um, change if you're phoning up France? Shouldn't Toya have noticed? Hang on a minute. She's too loved up by a baby Mason. Oh, okay. I thought this was so adorable and sweet. I thought I it was sweet. I wish there was more of it. Um, I, don't think, I don't know what more there needed no, to be. I and I was kind of... When, when I... Before I went into the Christmas episode, I knew that this was going to happen because I'd seen a picture of uh, of Toya staring into the crib, and I thought, "Oh, this is going to be the 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 heartwarming, lovey dovey tale that is uh, uh, balances out all the dark sadness of the Gary, Rick, Maria, Sarah, Adam stuff." But actually, it was just a a little bit of it, wasn't it? And it was the David and Shona that was really that had most of the heart of the episode. I don't know what more they could have done, really. I'm surprised they didn't give them a fake baby to hold. That's the only thing I'm going to say. Because um, it was obvious that there was no baby. 
Um, but I don't think they, apart from have it, them having a fake baby to, to cuddle, I don't know what else they could really have done. I think they did an all right job. Um, I don't think people are going to be watching it going, oh, no, it's obvious that, you know, that's not, there's no baby in that scene. I think people understand that they couldn't do it. Um, I thought, I just really find it utterly adorable when people are excited and love having a baby around, even though I can't relate to it, really. I think it's amazing and beautiful, and I wish I could feel that way because... You know, you can get them for free, can't you? Well, it's particularly sweet for Toya, <laughs> considering that she's been back in the show for what, four years now, and this has been—it's been long enough to legitimately be I know, her life's but, ambition. But it's to get yes, a kid. It is, yeah, uh, but it is a—you uh, know—it's tragic that she can't un- keep him. There's an undercurrent of tragedy because this is a sort of a temporary situation. I just keep thinking about the mum. How would you feel if you were the poor mum who had an operation on Christmas Day? Very implausible for a start. Um, and then it gets pushed back and you know you, you want your baby. You yeah. want your baby. If you were a new a new mum... You'd feel you'd, gutted that you wouldn't get to share your baby's first, first Christmas. Christmas with her. Yeah, and she's got no one else. I feel really bad for this this unknown mother. Yeah. Who's had to put her trust in, in these two strangers. Luckily... She's right, one got, of them's a lawyer, very She's got, like, a really good pair of people to look after the baby. And it really is, like, a, one of those situations where it's the same as if you have a baby and you, you get leave the hospital and you're like, why the hell are they letting me have this baby? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm gonna, How is it not going to die? Why have you entrusted me with this precious thing <laughs> without any knowledge? But you muddle your way through, don't you? Uh, it was very sweet, and it's probably going to be sad when Mason goes back next week. Oh, um, Toya will cry. I still, I still, I still wonder about this theory that people are saying that they're eventually going to end up fostering R. Kelly once it finally. I bloody hope not, because I hate that. Finally, girl. comes out that Rick's dead. And how old is she? Like sixteen? Yeah, at least it won't be for long if it happens. Oh God, she's it a monster. Wouldn't, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. She, she, yeah, we haven't all. I hate her, her have we? so much. I don't hate lots of characters. I think but I really hate. I think we're going to have to get used to her. <laughs> I don't think she's going anywhere yet. She's such a little brat. <laughs> Paul. What's his story? Beginning of the week, Gemma. Oh well, wouldn't you know? Todd, Todd, Todd being Todd's been meddling. I don't. I don't think this story particularly moved very far this week. No, Billy. Billy can see something's bothering Paul because he's having his secret liaisons with this child that he's not Will. supposed to know or contact outside of work. But he's given him his number. He's as bad as Craig, isn't he, Paul? I know. I shouldn't be doing this, but because I'm such a nice guy... Because I'm an exceptional person and all these the rules don't apply to mm. me. Um, so so Billy's like, what's wrong? And Paul's like, nothing, nothing. Then at work, Todd asks him about Will and Paul feels bad about not telling Billy and Todd says, why don't you get him a nice meal or something? So later on, Paul tells Todd he sorted a night in with Billy. So Todd then scurries off to phone Will up and tell him to ruin it. So Will calls Paul, who says, no, I can't meet you. Where do you want to meet up? Basically. So he says, Todd, cover me at work. So Todd says, "Um, I'll tell Billy too. Let's think of an idea. Shall we say that your friend's been in a car crash? And Paul's like, great idea. And Todd's like, don't worry, stupid. I'll sort it all out. So Todd goes to tell Billy, Paul's mate's been in a car crash. And Billy's like, oh... That's sad, because we were supposed to have dinner together. Do you want to have pizza with us? And he's like, no, no, no. Don't worry about it. And I wondered, leaves them. I so this wondered is whether... now 
I wondered whether Todd would tell Billy a different story. Yeah, I So then when Paul came back and said, oh, he's been in a car crash, and Billy's like, hang on a minute, Todd says that yeah, I thought, you have I an thought emergency dentist this. appointment. Todd's being very clever, and this is now the second time that he's been invited to share an evening with them and has turned it down yeah. to pretend that that's not what his end goal is. Paul meets Will in the Ginnell. He says, my stepdad's hurt my mum, but I don't want... She doesn't want an ambulance. Billy calls Paul... Paul says I'm at the hospital and says, and then Paul says to Will, you should really call the police. Um, so he finally manages to, to convince him to go to the police station um, after they've gone to get some chicken or something. Billy goes to the pub, sees Daisy, who's bad mouthing Johnny, which is what you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And Todd comes in and talks about how it's a shame about Paul. And Billy's like, no, no, I'm proud of him. Um, but he's you can tell he's annoyed that he's not there. Todd tells Billy that he was always good about bringing out the best in people and gives him a smile like, oh, you turned me into a, a model Outstanding citizen. citizen, yeah. <laughs> um, so Paul and, and Will get to the police station and Will says, I'll do it by myself. You don't need to come in with me. So he goes in, tells the copper that his phone's missing, sits down, gives Paul the thumbs up, Paul buggers off, and then Will runs out. He goes, oh, I found it in my pocket, and runs away. He doesn't let, he doesn't let, let, let a second pass, does he? No, he literally runs out as Paul's walking down the road. If Paul turned around, he would have seen Will running away. Yeah. Um, so Paul comes back home, and Billy's asking him questions, and, and um, but, um, Paul's like, Regardless of the fact that this was such a serious incident that I had to leave work to attend to it, that I don't want to talk about it, I'm not going to tell you any details. So on Wednesday, Will's on the phone again, he's trying to get Paul to help him, so Paul has to take the afternoon off. Sarah, Sarah lets him take the half a day. Todd says to Paul that he should probably tell Billy, but don't mention the fact that you know Todd. So Paul comes home, tells Billy about it, he's dressed up as father christmas for whatever reason this is one of those things that it's like did they what what was the point why did they get daniel brockenbank dressed up as father christmas just for like one or two scenes well he's got to wear a costume of some sort why not a father christmas one and and it's just making me think like they, they really don't know anything about what an archdeacon does i'm not saying that i do but i'm not noticing anything different in Billy's behaviour or work I don't or really anything. think that, that that Christians need to spread, spread the mis- message of Father Christmas at Christmas. <laughs> I think that Father Christmas's PR agency has got that one tied up. If he's going to dress up as anything, it should be like one of the three wise men or something that's actually to do with the nativity story. Yes. Or something that has been overlooked about the Christian story about Christmas. Not bloody Father Christmas. <laughs> so um, Billy's like, oh, wish you told me sooner. I'm very upsetting. And then when Tony knows, finds out that Todd knows, he literally walks out. Yeah, he gets his knickers in his dress, <clears throat> doesn't he, Billy? The fact that, that Paul and Todd have been having a secret secret meeting. He knows and... exactly what Todd's up to. Yeah. He's, got, he's been to a grotto where he was Father Christmas. He comes back and he says... Why do you even think Todd's got a job volunteering there? Do you think it's because he likes helping people? No. If he's, if he's told you it's because he cares, he's lying. 
he's livid. He's like, you better watch out because Todd is way more clever and manipulative than you even understand. You think he's nice? He is not. All of this is a bunch of lies and I don't know what he's up to, but I know that it's all for Todd and for nobody else. And Paul's not really getting this. They have another scene, it was a fairly superfluous scene on Thursday where Billy reiterates that message. I know what he? Todd's like. Don't trust him. Yeah. So now it makes, like, now Billy's clearly said this is what's happening makes me wonder whether Todd was really after Paul or or Billy it feels to me like he's never going to get Paul on his uh, Billy on his side but he might be able to win Paul over just I I think he I don't think he's really interested in Paul I think he thinks that Paul is too thick for him no I know but I think he might if he realises that there's no way he's going to get with Billy because Billy's still got his number and knows that he's... I think, yeah, I think he might try to get Billy. Billy will give him the pushback. And, and then, then I think he'll go, go to... Paul, I'll go with Paul. Yeah, but not because... Yeah, to get Billy, Billy back, back. To prove yeah, to, to break him Billy's that I'm heart. so great that I can do what I like and you can't stop me. Yeah. But I hope it happens soon. And I was definitely expecting there to be some kind of Christmas fireworks. And, you know, on Christmas Day, I thought, well, if Billy's been... Expe- yeah, if they no, made a you... point of saying that Billy has been called in to do this sermon on Christmas Day. Yeah. They didn't need to have that. No, I know. But um, you you said that... Well, you said I was expecting this, but you were se- you kept moaning about it, the possibility of it happening. So are you happy that it didn't? Well, no, I mean, because something's still going to happen, isn't it? It's not like the storyline's been dropped. Okay. I thought I I'm maybe thinking back on it, it might have been quite exciting to have had this on Christmas Day, but we just put it aside for another week. I'm I just think it's um I I'm really happy that Billy's not gullible and stupid and you know, willing to give Todd the benefit of the doubt. I think it would have been easy for the writers to have written Billy as, you know, oh, I'm a forgiving Christian. I'm going to let him walk all over me. Because there's definitely a difference between... He must have seen the error of his ways. There's definitely a difference between being a Christian and forgiving somebody of their sins uh, and letting them take advantage of you continuously and being a Christian, forgiving people of their sins and saying, yeah, but you ain't doing it again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But I think, well... This is what they miss. This is kind of what they miss with Sophie a lot of the time, with with her Christian attitude, is that she was always very vengeful... She was very Old Testament, <laughs> whereas Billy is definitely like a bit like he he he's keeping Todd at an arm's length, mm. and I think you know it's it's not hypocritical of him to say I don't think he's changed. Do you? Know, I wonder whether he's going to get into a situation where he tries to provoke Todd into showing his true colours, and then he makes an idiot out of himself. Yeah, in front of Paul, maybe. like he thinks he can trick Todd by saying something or other, and Todd's one step ahead of him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think that that could be really good. Maybe it'll be a New Year thing. Oh, a good New Year bamboozle. Right. Uh, Net, Net, Metcalf story. So we had a bit of Yasmin, a bit of Elaine, a bit of Tim all this week. And um, because of all the baby stuff that's going on over at the bookies' flat, Yasmin realises that it's about time that she moved back into her home. The... If the people have come around and done a really good clean-up job after that fire it's that like, ravaged the place just a like few weeks ago. It's like there never was a fire there at all. It's, they've done a really good job of making it look like there's no fire ever has taken place there. Um, so they, they go around there and Jasmine's a bit upset because she's got no money for Christmas and, and she's just kind of left alone with her thoughts at the end of Thursday's episode. But Friday she's bucked herself right up because she's prepping her well, Christmas lunch. She's, she's been she, this was like, chirpy and cheery. 
she was she was she was like excited about the prospect of having Christmas and asking everybody what they wanted and making a list and then she realizes she doesn't she can't pay for it yeah and she gets gets upset again yeah but everything's everything's cool on Friday because there's one thing that she can do and that's make a nice Christmas lunch she can cook. Um, also we've got Elaine going round it's like the B story of this going round to Tim's house with 16 years worth of Christmas presents that she'd this sent to so him sweet. when he was a little boy and they all got sent back to him I mean if it was me I'd have maybe been putting these up on eBay but Didn't have eBay for a touching Christmas days. scenes um, she I gave don't them think to he Tim. would Michael <laughs> well maybe Tim will he's like oh a neutron man I've always wanted and this and it's in boxing pristine word, condition <laughs> Yeah, she. It's just they, they were just some nice, lovely seasons. It I mean, was just, not it, much happened, it was just to it? remind us that she had been thinking of of Tim, and it wasn't her fault. Yes, that she wasn't part of his life, and he didn't learn to read. Yeah, and Tim tries to use it as an excuse, or he he almost gets into a let's all badmouth Jeff session. Yeah. But Sally's like, no, we're not going to waste our time hating but Jeff. Also, let's just enjoy Christmas Elaine together. does as well. She tells him not to. Yeah, and I think out of everybody, Elaine's the one that has adjusted the best. She's just like gone. She's just had this huge weight lifted off her, yeah. hasn't she? Yeah. And it's like she's finally been able to come out of her shell at last. She's just one of the, my favourite new characters. She's great. She needs to. I'm looking forward to seeing what, if anything, and I'm not convinced they are going to keep her on. No. What, if anything, they're going to do with her when she's not in this story? Because yeah. it, it feels to me like I'm ready to move on from Jeff now, but it's clear from what they had Yasmin going through on uh, Friday's episode that. He's still there in the shadows, haunting well, go on, her. Tell, tell me what happens. Well, she gets a bit of a shock, doesn't she? Who does? she? Yasmin. She goes to put a glass in a cupboard or get a glass out of a cupboard and finds one of Jeff's painted red crosses at the back <gasps> there. There's somewhere there she forgot to clean up. And then all this time, it's disgusting. Yasmin. I know that red cross has been there. Uh, and then Ryan puts his foot in it by joking to Kathy that she's drunk because Yasmin has a bit of a panic she attack, doesn't she? Woozy. She goes a bit weird. And, and Ryan's like. Whoop. Drunk again. And Yasmin, the way that, that Shelley delivered it was great. She's like, no, I'm not. And then Ali is like, ex-nay on the untry, Ryan. Ryan. Like, sorry, sorry. Um, but then it kind of uh, gets a bit worse later. Well, she kind of tries to jolly along. She's like, oh, but actually, wait, maybe we should have drinks. Everyone, let's all have oh, drinks. Oh, yeah, I think just getting squiffy sounds good to me. Oh, um, she tries so So she goes hard. over to get the wine bottle Doesn't from she? the side. She yeah. tries so hard to... to leave it in the past but it's not gonna no. stay well, it's, there it's still, still i mean it's only new. a few weeks away isn't it? a few weeks ago so, so she goes she to goes get to, this wine bottle and, and then this is when i said to my mum and dad oh yeah earlier in this year she glassed her uh, abusive husband nearly to death with a, with a wine bottle with a wine bottle because he said she was drunk. so she starts having flashbacks to that scene and then when kathy's there getting ryan to carve the turkey she has flashbacks to the scene where um, Kathy and I can't remember. Kathy and Jeff were having an argument about inequality between the sexes or something. I can't remember. She just we remembers get echoes the, of his voice. Yeah, the the audio from saying, it. Saying, "Oh, women always annoying or whatever." But then it goes completely bat crazy, doesn't it? I nearly said a rude word myself. Then. You never say that it. word. Um, and she imagines that the room is covered in crosses. It's really well done. The camera kind of pans back to it, and there's red crosses everywhere where there hadn't been ones before. And then she sees Jeff in his great Magnifico outfit, carving the turkey himself, calling her with a, a knife in his hand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and gesticulating around, around with it. He calls her a clumsy oaf or something because she drops whatever it was she was carrying. And then he's like, I promise I'll look after you and I still will. Um, and then she has a panic attack and that's under the collapse. And I, I thought that scene was 
was came out I of nowhere. Was I, was, I thought I, I I enjoyed the David and Shona ending, but I think that, that was, was probably my favourite unexpected bit of drama on Friday's episode. There was you... that scene, and there was the bistro opener, the the dreamy who attacked Adam thing. But this, I wasn't expecting to happen. It just all of a sudden jumped out at you, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's Jeff back. I thought we'd seen the last of him. It is funny how. Coronation Street over the past couple of years has brought back characters after their deaths and it didn't yeah. really ever happen before but we've had Rana come back in her red Sinead. coat Sinead's been appearing uh, on video and also in real life and we've had um, Jeff appear mm. really interesting a bit of a twist I don't know whether they're overusing it already I don't think I don't know I'm not tired of it yet no I'm not either it certainly caught me off guard I really really enjoyed that scene yeah Um, and then Elaine comes over later everyone's gone home and and they just have a chat about taking back control taking longer than you think four years yeah you made a Jack Brexit joke about that Um, and anyway she's and and Yasmin's like you've got the two things she says to Elaine she says Yasmin remember we will have all the fish we can eat now. <laughs> now you've got to remember about the fish. You've got a deal. She says to Yasmin, you've got two things that I haven't got. Family or friends. And also that stain of a man is dead. Yes. And I thought that when she said family and friends, I thought they were the two things. Yeah, but, but apparently Yasmin there was, was something like, what's the else? other thing? <laughs> no, 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 the two things, Yasmin. Um, and Yasmin ends the episode kind of triumphantly cleaning off the cross from the back I of mean, the cabinet. I mean, it was very symbolic, but is it... Is that the end? Is this? Is she turned a corner now, or is she still going to be haunted by his memory? She might do, but I'm kind of ready for this storyline to to move on. I, I wouldn't mind it if we had a bit of a break from Yasmin, honestly. It, I know for, I, that, I, that was enough to me to say she is going to get over this. Yeah, it's I don't need to see it because it? the same with Leanne after Ollie's died, and I thought, oh, okay, they're going to give Jane Danson a bit of a rest now, and, and they have a little bit, but there's no closure with her story. But this could definitely be closure for Yasmin, couldn't it? Yeah, what I did, what I really did like was seeing Kathy coming back and oh, being all friendly with saying, Yasmin again yeah, did and she being apologize? happy. And I can't remember. I, can't, I don't think she did. I remember her being on the phone to Brian about him and Alex being stuck on a service station oh, somewhere, yeah. which is where. Um, they were both obviously quite notable by their absence, but um, they couldn't. Uh, when they said, Alex hasn't been back in it since lockdown, has he? Brian has no. a little bit. When they said that they were all coming around for Christmas Day, I was thinking, how are they going to fit everybody around the table? Yeah, that was the only snifter of a Christmas dinner drama that we got on Christmas Day, wasn't it? Usually, there's always scenes of families enjoying their Christmas dinner or families going to enjoy Christmas dinner, but it turns out that somebody forgot to put the oven on or or whatever, and we didn't get any of that. It it didn't feel in many ways, really, well, really family Christmassy, did it? Because there was all this like other I stuff Like I said earlier, on. not everybody got to have Christmas dinner with their family this year. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, I thought I thought that was a nice unexpected bit on Christmas Day. I wasn't expecting that. Thought right. the thought the uh, Elaine and Tim stuff was quite nice. If I was Tim, I'd be thinking, did you send me birthday presents as well? Yeah, you could have sent me <laughs> money six. in a card. <laughs> Whap it in a... Um, a premium bond let's get some money coming yeah in. she comes and gives him like 16 years worth of two pounds as a like, thanks really, yeah. interest please mum have you heard of that <laughs> <laughs> have you heard of investment finally 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 winter we sales got a winter sales story oh I didn't really like this I did seem pointless utterly pointless oh, the thing is Coronation Street has done a trick that they often do where they take something that's to- topical and they haven't done before 
get confused about what how to tell the story that makes sense to everybody and then just turn it into something else that everybody already knows about. So they've got a multi-level marketing company story and they turned it into a we can't shift this stock at Christmas story. Because there's definitely lots of things that you can do with a multi-level marketing company story. Because people people's lives have been ruined by what ha- what you have to go through sometimes to get to go through these... Well, there's still Sean and Michael that are also going through this, isn't there? I know, I'm is, just thinking... This was the light-hearted this stuff to counterbalance like, the darkness on Monday and Wednesday's but you, episode. But can you see but, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That there's more to be told in a story about this and that they're, they're just doing something I feel like we've seen before. Mm. So on Monday, um, it's the, the winter browns <laughs> back again. Chesney, no money. They haven't got any money, they've got, and they've still got five kids. None of them have been Regretting turning off. down that fresh goes deal yet, Chesney. Morals are more important than food, apparently, when you have five children to feed. Chesney suggests that Bernie look after the quads um, while Gemma goes to a fitness centre to get some orders in, because it's really quite a clever place to go, full of posh people, too much money. Um, you were expecting there to be a... Um, you said, oh, I, bet we'll, I wonder if we'll see the... The mummies, the rich... The mummies from, what's it, Morsley Street. Street, But they didn't make an appearance. Gemma's dropped into the factory because Michael's already been there and poached her buyers. She went down, primed everybody, went back to get the orders and he'd already swooped in to get them. And he is apologetic because he didn't realise that she had done that and she was still interested. And she's like, well, I can't, I couldn't go because I've got five kids to look after. I can't just swan off whenever I want to go and do stuff. So he says to her... I feel really bad about this. I'll buy your stock off you. And she says, no, no, I'm going to sell it myself. I'm going to make a profit. Look, a market stall has sprung up on Victoria Street. Oh, it's a market place, isn't it? Not just a store. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Chesney comes home and she's hanging a hideous wreath on the door, which he thinks was Joseph, but it actually was... Kirk. Kirk. Um, I'm surprised it wasn't Gemma, because, you know, she said it looked horrible, but that seems like her kind of choice of decoration <laughs> normally. He says, why don't you sell the stuff on this market stall? I don't know, Chesney, why don't you do it? You used to run a market. Well, he does. Ask, so he, he says he takes it. over in the I end. Know, he mentions that he used to do it, which I'm glad. And remember back in the day when he was struggling and, sat and had his little pet market stall and we were saying, oh, I wonder if it will be like a business ty- tycoon. No. No. On Wednesday, they put the stall together. She's not really able to sell very much. So Chesney says, why don't you go and have a break? So... He and Kirk man the stalls themselves and seem to be doing much better than she was. They end up selling half their stuff before they get distracted, come back to the stall and find out that somebody's stolen everything. Oh, no. And I can't believe that anybody would try to steal this stock that they couldn't shift. (laughs) And and Chesney's they're, they're talking about where how Somebody's to get it in back. Desperately needed mascara. and desperately need of mascara and um, Chesney's like, oh, there's no Mule. point trying to find it. They've probably sold off the stock by now. And I was thinking, how can they do it and you can't, Chesney? <laughs> and also the other thing that was weird about this was there was a money tin, and for some reason the thieves took the cash out of it but left all the coins. Wouldn't you just take the whole tin? <laughs> anyway. They're, they're devastated because they've been robbed. They don't want to tell Gemma what's happened. He, Chesney says he needs a Christmas miracle. Later, we see Chesney and Kirk with big boxes of Christmas presents. They said that they have sold all the stock, but they can't tell her where the money really came from, and we still don't know. 
It's a Christmas mystery. It's a, yeah, it's totally. It's slightly is. more mysterious than who attacked Adam in the V Street. At least we've got a list of suspects for that. Don't I know whether I we get still say here. I still say they've been trading um, sexual favors for cash down the down the little alleyway that is where the tram station is. Oh yeah, maybe in the little dark <coughs> corner. Um, do you think we'll find out? It's got it feels to, like we, we should. To, otherwise, or they're pointless. just like, oh, nobody really cares. This do is they, just a filler storyline. Do you care about things like that? Yes, we do. Well, they were both sitting in the um, in the booth at the Rovers, where Adam's uh, phone ended up being found when they were discussing this Christmas miracle, which made me wonder whether they found his phone, took some cash out of it because they obviously had some slots for cards and and used that. I don't know. That would be quite interesting. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't I think, don't they think would Chesney do and Kirk would steal money that brazenly. No. I, it makes me think that they've they've sold something dear to them. Yeah, so we've got that to endure whenever that comes back on the screen. It's just weird I how this storyline just disappeared midway why, through the week. Why would you I don't get if you have four babies and they're that young, don't buy them anything, they're babies. Yeah, they're not gonna know. They really won't... I don't see what the point. It's just rubbish. It's just <laughs> literally you're making rubbish. Yeah. But anyway, that's why we're not parents. And No, I don't think there's anything wrong with not buying a baby a present. I think we're already... I mean, I don't want really to get weird about it, but the planet's dying because we keep buying crap we don't need. Well, you say that the babies won't know, but I, I thought it was a bit funny when your mum brought... Abby, a Christmas present the other day, and we went but to unwrap it with her, and she absolutely loved it. It was a, it was a catnip fish or something, and she was clawing it out of my hands. So well, she appreciated it. Maybe little one-year-olds can appreciate a giant ninja turtle or whatever it was that they got. Babies bought. know they're alive. <laughs> um, right. Overall thoughts on Christmas week then, Gemma. Is this a high scoring week or or an okay one? I thought this was great. I really enjoyed this. I wasn't expecting much out of Christmas. As soon as Adam got bonked on the edge, I suddenly perked up a bit. Um, I'm I'm enjoying. I'm really enjoying it. I thought it was great. I think I'm gonna give it quite a high mark. I really liked the Toya and Imran stuff. The little baby. If you go onto our Twitter, you'll find a little clip that we edited of um, their Christmas Day baby experience, which you might think is funny. Um, it's a deviated somewhat from what actually happened. I don't think everybody who who saw the clip actually watched the end, <laughs> judging from some of the comments. Um, I yeah, I like the intrigue with the um, Adam stuff. I think the I'm still the, only the Yasmin stuff was was exciting. The Shona and the Shona and David thing. The first time I've actually been interested in in a couple's romance for a long time and I didn't really buy Shona and David together before but now no. I'm actually liking them much more as a couple than I ever did and you used to be a Shona and David fan so how do you feel about it? I still prefer her how she used to I be. I know but what do you think about them as a couple? Like is it annoying you that she's different? Do you feel like they're less suited to each other now? Because um, I would think if I was a fan of Shona and David originally a little I'd be a bit, bit cheated. But I think they are a little bit but the, the way that they've been writing it both of them is to make us think that they're not really suited for each other anymore and maybe maybe they should just split up but now that they've they've had this epiphany on christmas day about you know everything could be okay then maybe they won't be so heavy-handed in writing shona continually putting her foot in it like she has been doing so i'm i'm perfectly willing to to give it a proper go and i think that yeah if if the end of friday's episode was there any indication about how the rest of this will go then? Yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. 
Good. Thought, thought that was lovely. Uh, the, all, all of the stuff running up to it, they all, maybe we should just split up. It was, a, uh, it was just to, it felt a bit waste of time. I, I think we'd already got the fact that, that it, David was having a bit of a rough time, but it made up for it on Friday. So I, I enjoyed that. The, the, I think the, 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 uh, the Yasmin stuff down, was great. Biggest letdown was David didn't get his canoe off Gail. Oh yeah, he didn't. Did that, that's another thing. That's another thing where I think it was written in there to be, to for a laugh. Gail wouldn't really buy David a canoe, but they've written it in because wouldn't it be funny if let's what's the weirdest thing that Gail could buy a canoe? You know, it didn't make me it didn't make me laugh, and now now Nick's got a silly. Don't need it. Nick could use a canoe. Anyway, um, can I give my score? Yeah, four and a half. What? Four and a half. Yeah, that's generous. Uh, it's Christmas. That's super generous. I've been generous this Christmas. I've bought presents for people I haven't spoken to for five years. So I'm feeling very generous. I'm going to give it four and a half bra dummies. Because there were so many things that were surprisingly good to me. I didn't have high expectations. Perhaps that's the difference. Mm. Um, I always think that low expectations is the secret to liking anything more than you would have done. Um, I really loved how they managed to be... I think it was a really appropriate Christmas for... Where we are as a, as a as a country and the world, you know, with the pandemic, it wasn't overly smaltzy, and there wasn't like cozy Christmas family eating dinner. There was people were muddling through and doing what they could do in the situation they were in, and that's how everybody had to spend their Christmas this year. Mm. And they had some drama, and they had some intrigue. They had Jeff coming back. They had a sweet little. Um, baby Christmas story for Toya and Imran. You can't... I mean, Imran's face when he said Merry Christmas to Toya <laughs> is going to keep cropping Warmed up in cockles, my memory for years to come. The Shona and David story with, with David re, reliving the the wedding, blow, blow, blow for, for Shona in the, the thing was just enchanting piece of, of television because... It was well acted and performed by Jack P. Shepard and Julia Goulding. And it was, um, I thought it was magical and it showed the, the power that you, that you can generate from properly crafted character moments on Coronation Street. Mm. You don't need someone falling to their death off the top of a Helter Skelter every year <laughs> to make it a memorable Christmas story. Well, apparently, compared to EastEnders and Emmerdale, Coronation Street, from people who I've seen that have watched them all, so people saying that Corrie ended up better, you know, they, I think that, I think Emmerdale was a bit silly and uh, EastEnders too dark or something, I, I don't know. But Coronation Street also was the winner in the ratings on Christmas Day, although still, you know, low ratings Very all the low. way around. But Corrie came, what, sixth on Christmas Day? But it was ITV's top scoring show, but the Queen, Mrs Brown's Boys... I think the Queen had Michael a higher... Michael McIntyre thing. Ugh. The Queen had, um, like, 8.16 million or something, which was higher than last year. Mm. It is... Oh, everyone's because just wondering what she was going to say. Exactly. About COVID. I just... I, did you hear the conspiracy theory about why the picture of Phil was on the only one on the piano? No. I reckon he's dead already. Oh, God. I don't think he is. But everyone was saying that, because usually she has a big family array of photos, isn't she, on the yeah. piano, and she, or whatever, she, she's sitting behind. But this year, it was just... Bar. It was just Prince Philip... Yeah, and um, I think it was. I think that was sweet because it showed that she, like this year, she could only be with Philip. Mm. I thought that was sad. She forgot who everyone else is. 
Oh, you're such a I, bastard. Uh, you're no, I, I... Rude. Um, I'm going to kick you out of this country. I'm glad that Curry did well. It's a shame that Christmas Day soaps don't get massive, massive, massive viewers like they like to. But Something the television landscape is, is different. Christmas television, hasn't it? We used to... Christmas television used to be an event. And it used to be like a kind of an anomaly that the UK had special Christmas TV. Because I don't think many other countries have special programming at Christmas the same way that we used to. There used to be, whatever was the big show that year for BBC or ITV would have a Christmas Day special episode. So you'd have like Vicar Dibley or Absolutely Fabulous or any, anything. And it would just be fun and, and cool and Christmassy and, and a family occasion. That They're everybody, not even putting Doctor Who on they Christmas don't even Day care for the last anymore. couple of years. It's all rubbish because everybody does streaming stuff. Yeah. But the difference is that streaming shows can't really do a Christmas thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame. But anyway, Cory won the race. We, we, I'm not going to have a cabin in this week's episode, by the way. So I'm kind oh, of including that, that in there. And also, Emma Dale beat Coronation Street in the Big Soap Quiz again, which I think is bang out of order. They should have just let they them win let because it's the 60th anniversary this year. But now, now Emma Dale has won more of them than Coronation Street, and I'm not very happy about that. Anyway, I didn't give my score. Um, I, I enjoyed it, but I, was, I wasn't as gripped as you were by a lot of this. So I'm giving this uh, three and a half gaffer tape bum cheeks out of five which is you what Gemma said um, I don't know Gemma mentioned it some way to do with the quads well, who's on. your character of the week oh I haven't thought about character of the week yet um, have you got one baby Yoda no baby Yoda was not in this week's episode <laughs> that was just on our Twitter um it was, it was very ensemble wasn't it? I'm going to say David because I was going he was towards part David. of my favourite story even though I thought I was very, I was very uh, I found myself prickling towards the breaking them up beforehand but he was just such a showman and like I said so charming he's show's man showman <laughs> use that for a one down the line um, I just thought it was charming and sweet and understated and romantic and I don't normally care about any of those things yeah and I, I don't I don't think I could give it to anybody in the Adam storyline because everybody's still backstabbing and trying to get each other in trouble and well, trying the, to get the, themselves out of main, trouble and everything. Is there a main character of that story? No, there isn't. There doesn't need to be a main one. No, but I it's know, just... but if you, when you... Yeah, but there doesn't need to be for that one. But normally when you're thinking of who's character of the week, you think, who's, what's the main story? Who's the main character of the main story? And you can't pick one out. The, the, the person who's closest to being the main character of the Adam story at the moment is Daniel. And Daniel's just being an absolute arse wipe. Mm. Is he just trying to get away? Do people are still wondering whether it was him that did it as well. But I think it'd be a bit I annoying think, if it was him twice. Oh uh, yeah, and and he did seem pretty convinced last week that it was Sarah as well. And it wasn't but that's like what he, was he would tr- say. I don't think he was just trying to put it on her, deflect it on her. He really did seem to think that. Anyway, I, I think I'll go with David as well. It could it could be Shona because she was she was fun, um, but David for um, orchestrating the lovely finale I mean, yeah. on Friday's Shona's episode. Shona's a very close runner-up um, because I really liked her telling Daisy off and saying she had a moose face and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not stupid, I'm brain damaged. I thought that was a great line. Yeah. There we go. David wins Christmas for us. Yay! Congrats, Dave. Oh, what... I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed this week and I hope everybody else enjoyed bits and oh, pieces. Oh, we'll find out soon. Mm. We? Um, right, let's uh, let's finish off the podcast with some feedback then. Feedback time. What do people think of last week's Coronation Street? 3.52 is what they thought. 
So, pretty good week. Could be better last week. I wonder what people thought of this week's Christmas stuff. Are they just as generous as Gemma was? Or are they a little bit more... Stingy like you. Stingy. Were they a bit more Scroogeish like me? We'll find out next week. But for now, Chad gave last week's Coronation Streets four pound shop Miss Marples. <laughs> Fiona gave it three Professor Plum costumes with a homemade Tash and a Maroon Cardi. <laughs> and uh, Trisha... It's like one pick of the week. Gave it four teenagers who are going way too out of their way for a tenner out of five. <laughs> it's true. I mean, what is all getting out of this other than just <laughs> free <laughs> chicken dinner? Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess so. Um, right, we have got a new review on iTunes, Gemma. Yeah. You discovered this last week, coming all the way from Brazil, no less. Do you want to I read know, this one out? You, you found this one last week. This was pretty amazing. This was from Dantas Adriel. Good name. Says. Um, did you what? Nothing. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything to me. It's a great name. Five out of five. The duo deliver everything a Crow fan could ever desire. Good quality, good voices, and chat. The only thing that bothers me is that some episodes are too long. What? Three hours is a lot for any podcast, but I listen anyway. <laughs> good work, guys. It's always a pleasure hearing your amazing podcast. You know, we might get under three hours this week if we're not having a news session section, although adding the bonus podcast into it always takes it way, way longer. But it's, well, however, it's holidays at the moment. People have got time for listening to podcasts, haven't they? I don't, I don't know. know. I haven't because, I, whenever, because I'm not driving to work at the moment. My podcasts usually get backed up, but I'm sure some people appreciate well, my length. Some people, yeah... I mean, we've had discussions. I said to you, we should split the podcast up again, but I, you didn't seem to. I didn't split. I'm still wondering about whether to make the bonus episodes on midway through the week and just the street talk on Saturday. I don't know. I haven't got. There's I... definitely a, a, a really strong argument against having this show be so bloody long. I know. I know. Because um, some people don't listen to all of it anyway. Some people only listen to the actual the street talk, bit, street talk stuff. So, mm. I mean, we could split it up so the, the the quiz, the feedback and the news were all in a separate one. That's what I want to do. I don't know. Was it, I haven't got any you know huge ambitions or desires for the podcast going into 2021. So we'll see how things go. Right. I just don't. I just what? don't. Want, I just want people to be able to hear it if they if they want to listen. Oh, I don't want to put people off. But people are getting put off by no, it being yeah. like four hours. Dantas Adriel's not. He thinks it's brilliant. Derek has written to us. Now this email came in. I uh, know it was he DM'd us on Twitter, didn't he? This is Derek, who's seventy Street fan. Yeah. On Twitter, and this came in before last week's podcast, but I didn't notice it until after we recorded it. It's his feedback on our nineteen eighty five to nineteen eighty nine discussion Thank that you. we had a few weeks ago, and he said he was so cheered by everything Gemma in particular said about Ivy. I've always loved the character and thought that Lynn Perry gave one of her most consistently truthful performances in all of Corrie history. Gave one of the most. Consistent. Yes. Sorry. Unlike a lot of battle axe figures, she was never played for laughs, nor as a stereotypical baddie. Perhaps that's why the character doesn't get the love that most of the other legendary female characters of the Golden Age do. I was disappointed she didn't even win a place in the top 60 of Corypedia's recent poll. She was such a rich character. Well, he says he would place her in the top all-time top 20. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that um, Ivy has got a really, really bad rap. She's got such a bad reputation. I Like, watching her, I'm like, is this the Ivy that everyone says is the and You can tell horrible... that she was a troublemaker and, and some of the... And she did you know, cause lots of angst for the likes of for Gail. Yeah. So if you were a big Gail fan and she was, a, she was always a thorn in her side. One. But she, she had real, really believable and Motivation. honest motivations This is what I've said it. before about, about a character and antagonists in general is that you need to 
give them a proper motivation for what they're doing. Otherwise, they just are very hollow and pointless mm. characters. And if being a Catholic and having your son getting stabbed to death outside a nightclub isn't motivation enough, then I don't know what is. What and is? we've just been watching 1990, haven't we? And you've seen some of her spiritualism stuff. Which yeah, is I just think it's, yeah. Not, not had a full... Does she actually go to... Do you see her going to a meeting? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wish I'd we, seen We that. haven't seen that. We just heard her talking about it. But that, that was a... I think when I watched that on ITV3 recently, that it was that story in particular that made me a really, really big Ivy fan. I, I love her. I think, I think she's, she's a really fascinating person. She really, really is. She's a character with so much depth. Hmm. And, and she was always um, yeah, very, very true to character. And, and didn't he, anyway he didn't continues bend to the he, will of the plot writers she said oh yeah as you said in your chat the character really gets a bad rap yes she was very opinionated and often confrontational sometimes she did get it wrong yeah. but a lot of the time I felt she was in the right in her relationships with both Gail and Don mm. and even when she wasn't you could understand why she behaved as she did her heart was basically in the right place <laughs> but often she went about things in the wrong way Conversely, I often felt that both Don and Gail were often unnecessarily cruel in their behaviour towards her. The example you gave over Brian's funeral was a prime example of this, yet their actions were rarely questioned or challenged by others in the show itself. So it's become the accepted wisdom that Ivy was poison ivy or mother and all from hell, etc., but really unfairly, I believe. So thanks for picking up on this rarely challenged opinion in your discussion. It's really, it's really interesting, isn't it, that that is just an established... I think that I she's did. got a nickname and sometimes the nickname overrules anything that anyone actually yeah. you know, thinks about yeah. them. I think I found Gail to be so cold and unfair during that whole Brian, Brian thing. She was being cheated on, but she had been but being cheated it, on. But... I think that makes it even less your decision about what happens to him for his funeral arrangements then it, it felt almost revengey that she was like no it's not going to catholic funeral cheat on me so you can die in a ditch <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. it's like it's, if you're that if you're not that bothered let someone else who is bothered do it yeah no i, I don't I know if there was a, a smacking of anti-catholic sentiment i did i didn't i don't i didn't pick up on it anywhere in the show that it was like a, a, a kind of prejudice thing mm. but I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't some kind of like if you watched it at the time you wouldn't think uh, yeah well why would you have you know what I mean because yeah. definitely there's still Catholic the Catholic faith is like the other isn't it here mm. Mm. I also think that um, Don has got a bit of a bad rap as well because for a long time he's was a just a just decent a bloke. just a decent bloke who tried his hardest but he's got a very a wife who can be very challenging at times to deal with do you know what that's like (laughs) oh no darling of course not um and and he was and then he had mental health issues towards the end of his life well i don't know anything about that no you you don't um but everything that he had to go through with ivy and then with mike baldwin and everything and (laughs) so um, you're saying that ivy wasn't a really bad character but she definitely pushed a man to in a way she did I, 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 I just found fascinating to watch Michael and, you setting up your excuses and I, and I think early. that <laughs> I think that Don gets painted as the villain quite a lot but I, I think that his descent into you know the, where he ended up in 97 was very believable path as well anyway Derek. Uh, back to Derek um, elsewhere I was in agreement with your thoughts on Susan Barlow Mike Baldwin relationship for me this was a cynical plot development purely hoping to capitalise on the impact of the Ken Deirdre Mike saga during a difficult period for the show 1985 had been a slow year for Corrie as it had began to feel the loss of many big characters over the previous couple of years and several new characters had failed to work in the meantime EastEnders had arrived on the BBC and had a number 
had arrived on the BBC and had had a number of big talking point stories during that year. The tabloids during the autumn had been full of stories comparing Corrie unfavourably with its popular new rival, hence the decision to revive the Barlow Baldwin saga. But as a story, it just didn't ring true on any level for me. This is that's really co- that's interesting. interesting background and I information I didn't know about. I love to find that. this stuff out. Thank you, Derek. This is, gives so much important context to what's actually happening mm. on the show. Yeah. Um, like Michael. Oh, this is good. He says he's also a Reg fan, <laughs> although I think he's left a rather unfortunate legacy. Yeah, I can see that. Although I did enjoy him hugely, particularly in the recent repeats. I think he was the first character who did often cross the line into pure sitcom. The show, of course, had many great comic characters before this, but they were always rooted in a reality and the actors' performances were more in keeping with comic drama. With Reg, the performance was frequently crossing that line, in my opinion. I think the style has remained with the show ever since and the humour has become more forced, less natural and more overtly comic. He was, however, a final exponent of that type of comedy. Yes. That's he said, said final. Final, I said final. Exponent of that type of comedy than many of his successors. Okay, so if you think that Coronation Street's too slapstick and uh, you complain Blame about... Blame Reg. Then it's all Reg's fault, apparently. I, I can see what you mean. I, I totally it's think It's very that interesting to think of him as a bridge between... There wasn't a whole lot of nuance with Reg. Between Even, old old comedy and the newer sort of outrageous. Like like Mary you get now, who is there purely to Mary, try and get yeah. last and sometimes she gets the hits and sometimes she doesn't. We talk about characters, sometimes, you know, their their jokes land and sometimes they don't. But I don't know, I think in the Corrie, you know, the first twenty years, twenty, thirty years of it, pre Reg I guess, there weren't any characters that you could talk about in the same way no because you'd have Ina being funny or Hilda being funny but was in universe humour of two characters being funny with each other or making a joke between each other like that time that um, there was a scene where um, Ina Sharples was in the cabin and Elsie Tanner comes in and pretends that she wants to buy marijuana and Ina and Ina catches on immediately that she's joking on with her and they both have a little tittle about how funny it is that she pretended. Mm. And I suppose with Hilda, some of the things that she did... It's a bit silly. It was a bit... Or, 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 Outlandish. No, I'm, I'm saying like when she got it wrong and she, and she thought that, you know, like her eggs and aspic kind of scene where a character is acting in a dumb way I don't think that that's like you, unrealistic. <laughs> no, I don't think that is. But then you compare it to some of the characters that have become a bit silly now and Derek's unrealistically stupid. I think completely right in calling Reg a sitcom character. Mm. And, and I think he, he definitely did work. But I think that, I guess, Ken Morley was more of a you know, proper comic actor than maybe some of the current cor- com- comedic characters are and they kind of have this com- comedic role dropped in them but maybe they haven't got the full, the same comic training as what Candid. I don't Derek know. Say? What else has Derek got to say? Well, I was interested to hear Michael say that watching these DVDs has somewhat changed his perception of 80s Corrie. For me, there were probably three eras during the decade. The period up to 1983-84 still feels golden age to me, an extension of the vintage period, which began in 1976. I think that 1985-88 to feels like a transitional period, the programme adjusting to the loss of many iconic characters, but still trying to maintain that same style with a somewhat depleted cast. Finally, 1989 is like the start of a period which lasted until 95-96. A lot of changes to the production style, expanding the cast, number of episodes, more plot, etc., but still with many elements of the classic Corrie formula. So it's quite difficult to give the decade as a whole one identity. 
That's an interesting way of putting it as well. I think that, yeah, from 1989 when we had the Alan Bradley story kind of come in full pelt, it definitely felt like it was a different beast there. And what we're watching now in 1990 does feel worlds away from 1980, I think, when Ina Sharples was still... Well, just about still in it. Isn't it interesting to talk about it like this? I really find it fascinating. I think if I was back at university, I would definitely be doing soaps as some kind of part of my dissertation or something. I re- like I. This is oh, what I enjoy. That. This is the, one of the most interesting bits about Coronation Street mm. to me. Is that yeah. it's seeing it develop over time. It really just, feels like a different show. And we talk about. I often talk about Coronation Street as like a cultural history or like a, a story of who we wish we were or who we're glad we're not. But there's the whole other dimension that I always miss, which is what was happening in the real production world of Coronation Street and what stresses and strains were put upon them to produce the show and what were they, why were they doing what they were doing for the ratings or because people were leaving or, mm. you know, and that kind of stuff I don't know very much about. But that's another thing. We have what we're seeing at So the there's moment. like the actual story of the show, there's the story of the real world the show was set in and then there's the story of how the show was produced. Mm. And, you know, you can't tell me that... that shows like Coronation Street are pointless throwaway entertainment because they aren't what we're seeing at the moment in 1990 is the um, repercussions of the street having to move to Key Street aren't we and uh, all the new buildings that have been put up on the other yeah. side of the street the, the wrecking ball oh, coming yeah. in and then out the, the back washing. we've got the washing hanging up which is hiding the fact that the Morsley Street houses aren't actually there it's <laughs> quite funny. <laughs> it's really funny and then I'm now on ITV3 watching 1997 which is into the Bryan Park era and seeing you know, all the, and, and it is seeming to take a bit of a, a darker turn. John Lindsay's just turned up, and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely quite enjoying where it's going at the it's moment. It's just, but such it, it, it feels different. It feels more modern. The character like Chris Collins, who's just come in as the hunk, doesn't feel like he'd have belonged in a previous period of Coronation Street. He seems a bit new. They didn't have characters just in, just literally to be eye candy for the ladies, I think, before Chris came in. What are you talking about? Brian, what's his face? Oh, yeah, Brian, Brian Tilsley. Different Brian, type of Brian eye candy. Brian Krypton Factor Tilsley. <laughs> Thank you, Derek, for that email. No, oh, I feel like I'll never really, truly understand the proper context and story of Coronation Street. You're getting It's going to be my life's project. We've to... certainly um, made great gains in that area over the past 12 months. Definitely. And the thing about the show is that, you know, you can watch Coronation Street in... Las Vegas and not know what a cheese and pickle sandwich is or why people are talking about you know Brexit or whatever and still enjoy it Mm. or you can do what we do and talk about the social historical and political context of the show and you know get really in depth in it it doesn't you know the show stands by itself Mm. but if you want to get involved in way more nerdy in-depth stuff there's no end of it Mm. there's no end of it so here's an, a message that we got from Richard. Thanks, thanking us for doing up the show. Like I said many times, I can't get out of it anymore. Stop it. I come in on a Friday evening and uh, if, I'm, if I'm sitting on the sofa, I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> it's Sunday now. I know. You're giving you two days off. I know, it's Christmas. This, that means that episode 451 is going to come around that much quicker. I know, that's what I was thinking this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Richard said, I've loved this year's storylines and by large, I think ITV did a great job of dealing with the inevitable interference caused by COVID. Thank goodness the Je- Yasmin and Jeff court case storyline was resolved by the correct verdict. I have a left field theory 
that Ken might turn out to be Adam's attacker, but I also had a left field theory that Roxy might turn out to be a returning Beck Gilroy. <laughs> that would have been great. It wasn't Ken. We don't know. It won't Ken. It won't Ken reflected in his eyes anyway. Richard said, it's been great to see the podcast community profile increase through media references to its tweets and Gemma's press interviews. Oh, thank you, Richard. <laughs> um, thanks for recommending the Coronation Street words and design for iPhone app, which is quite addictive and trickier than I first expected. You've fallen off that a little bit, I was playing you? it last night. Oh, were you? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's exciting. I thought you'd given up on that. I'm so pleased. Um, he says, uh, wishing you and all the podcast listeners a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and wishing you both all the best with your house move. Oh, Richard, thank you very much. I wish Michael hadn't mentioned it. I feel like it's very, very premature. We still are in early days, but we've had an offer accepted on a house. Yeah, I know, but we haven't sold this one, Michael. This is like getting getting the the wee stick and saying we're having a baby and he's going to Oxford. (laughs) It's too premature. It's exciting. I know you're excited. Thank you to everyone that's w- wished us well. I am very superstitious. I think Gemma always thinks the worst is going to happen yeah. in any situation. Yes. Nicole has emailed us and said, "Well, we're starting the 60th anniversary week here in Canada. My Corrie doldrums are over. Oh, good. Just wanted to send along my Christmas wishes to you both. I'm sure it'll be celebrated differently this year, but just like the solstice heralds the beginning of more light in our lives, oh. I feel that this Christmas heralds the start of healing and renewal from what we've all endured in 2020. What a so I'm focusing sentiment. on the positives and trying to be optimistic." What a lovely message. Not necessarily about Coronation Street, but I put this in because I appreciated the the sentiments to this one. Thank you very much, Nicole. It's a very regal message, isn't it? It totally is. And I hope that as um, all the Canadians have been enjoying the 60th anniversary week, I wonder what they've been thinking of Imran in court taking Jeff down, which ended up being kind of the highlight of the week, didn't it? Even though it wasn't supposed to be. Had a a pretty good uh, few weeks there at the old Imran Toya household, haven't they? They have. I mean... Let's have this more week, next year, please. This week, though, was the first time that Imran and Toya have actually had scenes together for quite a long time, haven't they? It's been very much Toya doing her thing, Imran doing his thing, and it's been nice to bubbles. see them as I guess a family. Still doing I don't know how they're doing it at the moment, but um, hopefully, it's it's a promise of new of different things to come in the new year. But you never can tell, can you? They really need to give those two more stories. They're both fantastic actors and both really interesting characters and lots of the viewers seem to like them i mean imran um the thing is about imran is that he's a favorite on the on the show i don't know like in the ranking of cory characters where does he come i don't think he's like lots of people's favorite characters so the fact he's in the that top people, 100 if you look at the Corypedia. the fact that people picked out imran as having the best moment of the week with no sort of like previous sentiment about the character mm. Makes me think that, you know, they're missing a trick if they don't make the, those two more central to storylines next year. You know, like, often you get fan groups who really like a character, and so anything they do will get praise no matter how good or bad it was. Like we have with Rana and Kate, like we have a little bit with the Peter and, Peter and Carla, because I know they have big fans who love everything and anything they do. I know that Toya and Imran have a few fans like that, but the reaction wasn't from people who no. were primed to say everything was great all the time with Toya and Imran. So let's use, you know, let's well, I just use this like feedback. That their relationship seems kind of normal and their storylines <laughs> aren't all revolving around 
murders and sex and affairs and yeah but we could have some of that if we wanted couldn't we yeah i don't i don't think they need it i don't think they want what we're seeing from them is a lot more relatable than we're seeing from other characters at the moment like johnny and jenny had been fairly relatable up until this year when it turns out that oh no he is a bank robber actually and i I don't want this (laughs) toy and imran thing to be spoiled by having some I know, mysterious in a way, secret appear from the past. In a way, it's it's kind and of it's, nice and drama free that they're not the focus of stories, and it's not it like they're not going to muck them up. It's not like with Gemma and Chesney, who are also supposed to be the normal family, but I definitely <laughs> have that at in inverted commas because oh, just look how the common folk live. You know, those common it folk with four babies, and it, it really, really does. It's a very <laughs> stereotypical idea of what Chav family is like. Um, but no, I, I feel like a lot more related. It's like the Daily Mail wrote the story about Gemma and Chesney. But I suppose it... But the it, only thing missing is that they're immigrants from Poland. <laughs> I think that just different people will relate to different things. And because, you know, we are like Toya and Imran, we are also you know, young-ish... <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. ...professionals. You know, two Quite. of us childless. Maybe that's why we relate to them more than we relate to... I think that is a massive part of it to be honest so where we can say well who would relate as well (laughs) who would relate to to Gemma and Chesney or who would relate to such and such I'm sure that there's characters out there that everybody relates to this is why it's good and you can see even on social media you you can kind of almost stereotype people and and guess who their favorite characters are and you're almost always right Mm. because it's going to be somebody who's similar to them yeah yeah and and Leanne and Nick is another one I suppose they're having more you know melodramatic happenings going on at the moment but i still feel that i do you mean melodramatic or melodramatic because melodramatic is when you're like you're chilled but you're also stressed no it's not that one um (laughs) yeah i still feel i relate more to their situation than lots of the other characters yeah yeah i guess it's 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 our age and stage of life oh one day we'll be like evelyn really relatable (laughs) but i still i still think that the allahans have got real promise and i don't see much that we have oh, in common with them. Nothing. Anyway, Nancy has emailed Apart us, Apart from all Gemma. those shops that we uh, <laughs> own. Until that cow blew them up. <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to read Nancy's? I do, I'd love it. She loves could. the whodunit storyline. Daniel was annoying trying to find the guilty person. I think the person who knocked out Adam could have been Sarah or an enemy of Ray. Will they find Rick Nealon's body? I wonder where he put it. Where did he put this body? Because I get... I wonder whether he was always going to move it because obviously the stories well, had to have changes. There was changes. a bit where he did go off somewhere in his van with tarpaulins and we forgot about that. But that happened a long time ago. I hope that he's... In a way, I hope that he's put it somewhere within the vicinity of Coronation Street so that it can be discovered. But I can't think where it could be particularly unless he's shoved it in the bins outside the back of Underworld, which seems to be the prime dumping ground at the moment. Cause it'd be silly, <laughs> he cause put it's it got... on the top of, of um, the, the laundry basket in the Rovers. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be discovered at some point, hasn't it? And it needs it really needs it to be discovered on screen, yeah. which means it needs to be in yeah, the vicinity. Yeah, you're right, actually. It can't be anywhere else, can it? It's either going to be on on in the vicinity of Coronation Street, or it'll be somewhere that's obviously part of the set that they've tried to pretend is. I hate it when they do that because they use that Kitchener Street yeah, set. Yeah, it's for... the Kitchener Street, but so it's let's, somewhere else. Yeah, let's pretend this is somewhere else. But I mean, it could be you know stuck in an old antique chest in the furniture shop or something. Or um... I mean, it really depends on how far advanced the know. decay is. But you'd think that if it's if it's bones, he could bleach it and stick it in a chest. Oh. Maybe it could appear next Halloween, like those um, <laughs> like those stories of the mummified 
remains that turn out to be a real hanged corpse. Yeah. Anyway. I wonder. I, I, I think they'd be silly if they've had him move it but not moved it to somewhere on the street because they need to show it because... Well, they, look, this is where you're... Who knows when they're going to be able to film on location again. This is where you're, you're inconsistent in your approach because you're saying this now, but logically in the world of the show... He wouldn't be that dumb. I know, I know. But 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 for the purposes of producing a show, you have to have him be that stupid, and you have to suspend your disbelief sometimes to tell a story. Mm. Anyway, uh, mm. Nancy says, "I bet Adam will wake up and not remember anything." Right. Well, no, you were were right, but he didn't know he didn't remember <laughs> anything. I also knew Ray would not let Debbie take over the project. I think Debbie can still ruin Ray's plans. Todd's plan to break up Billy and Paul will backfire. Yasmin needs to give Jeff a funeral for some closure. I want Elaine to move in with Yasmin. I'm looking forward to seeing Imran and Toya become foster parents next week. I want a happy Christmas Day story. Character of the week is Debbie. I give this week's episodes three and a half magic ones out of five. I think that, um, I've forgotten what I thought then. What are we doing? Oh yeah, the, the one thing that the Todd story is still missing out is Eileen. And I was hoping that with Todd being brought back into the programme, we'd see more of, of Sue Cleaver, who has not been in it much. And no. I don't know whether there's been COVID-y reasons why she's been off because she did end up coming back around the same time as some of the other characters. But I do miss Eileen being a central figure in the show. And she's... Yes. She, she, I, the, the, the longer we're getting away from her, the more I'm thinking, oh, no, Eileen's a really great character, really. And I know, but the and more... I know that she can be nasty piece of work, but she's, no, she's, she's a big, strong, powerful yeah. female presence and that Corrie is it... built upon. But the weird thing is, though, the longer also... I hate to say this, the longer she uh, doesn't appear, the more irrelevant she becomes. I know, and I don't want her to become irrelevant. She's been with the show 20 else years is now. on without her. All the other characters that are surrounding her or part of her family, you know, don't mention her or talk about her. She might as well never have existed in a mm. way, which is weird for somebody, as you say, who is such a central part of the, char- of the show. And she like had her anniversary recently, didn't she, of appearing in the show? Yeah. And it marked it by just not being in the show anymore. Mm. And I'm wondering, and I, and I am just making total um, assumptions here about whether she's not been able to be in the show as much for covid reasons. Uh, does that also mean that they're hedging their bets and they're not going to plan out any big stories for her and the other characters it's because it's maybe not worth the risk i do miss those taxi cab scenes taxi office scenes but it's it's the set is too small i suppose to fit everybody in and Mm. distance them oh i just really miss lloyd I know. Lloyd and Steve and Eileen. Brilliant. Right, last um, email of the week comes from Rebecca, of course, who says, To kick things off, I am still not sure who attacked Adam, but I'm pretty sure it is not Peter, as the first person they target usually didn't do it. (laughs) It's exactly true. I'm still thinking, however, that Simon looks very guilty, but since it looks like he graffitied the bistro door, it it wasn't the bistro, it was... um, Lawyers office, lawyers, isn't it? Yeah. Um, with his paint in his bag, then I don't think he would have done both crimes. Sarah also looks suspicious, but I don't think um, she'd be so cruel as to play the weeping widower, as Daniel said, weeping widow. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that she would do it. Can we? Just... She was mad at him, but 
don't know. Carla seems the most suspicious of all of the four, as she has hardly been shown. So yeah, Carla is my main suspect at the moment, with Faye as an outside choice. Loved Roy's put down to Simon. That was brilliant. Oh, yeah, that was. Good. I'm thinking regarding Ray that the Cluedo night he keeps mentioning will happen, and as Christina said in the Facebook group, the attacker will be revealed oh, then. Oh, good. That'd cool. be quite cool. I've kind of, I've kind of missed that, but he has been talking. He talked about he it. He talked about yeah. once or twice, didn't he? Yeah. I'm liking Debbie more and more, and although she's trying hard to get back in with Kevin Abbey, she did betray them. I know somebody called me out on the Facebook group, and I forgot who it was, but they said I was. <laughs> being inconsistent by um by defending debbie even though she actually did try to stitch up abby and is absolutely right she is a she horrible did plant the drugs. she did try to ruin abby's life for no real reason so yeah but i, I just like yeah, her Corey is always consistent with things like that so you can't expect us to be who just ad living hours worth of podcast one every of the week things that i am proud of about myself is that I am I will always admit that I'm a hypocrite I think everybody else are hypocrites as well but some people won't admit it and sometimes you'll get your opinion changed which is why you yeah. enjoy the David and Sarah but stuff it's weird how much I don't hold a grudge against Debbie for doing that to Abby even though Abby's one of my favourite characters yeah. I think it was because it didn't work so yeah. I kind of don't really hold it against her because nothing really happened. But yeah, I am I'm totally, totally inconsistent there about that. Sorry, everybody. Rebecca says she thinks they might find Rick's body. And due to pesky spoilers, I did know that Sarah was going to dob Gary in, but it was still very exciting. I think Gary might be in a cell this Christmas. No. Well, he got close, didn't he? He was in the interview room. Even though Daisy is very much David's type, more Tina or Kylie than Shona, I do not mm. want David to stray. Although if he and Shona do divorce, I wouldn't mind him and Daisy in a relationship. I'm guessing she makes a move at Christmas, though. Yeah, it didn't really happen, did it? Unless it happened off screen, which is still... We didn't really, about that. really explain why we thought why I thought that there was a shaggins going on. But there was a point between Thursday and Friday's episode where... They ended up talking intimately in a way. In, in the Rovers in booth. The Rovers. And then he just comes back home later. Yeah. He, he doesn't even give any shifty looks like you would have done, but. Something I don't know. about it's, it. it there was know. something about I that. Not, made me though. think, why did they have them talk together if they weren't going to. if they weren't planting something? Um, <laughs> he was planting something. No. Um, the Shona and Simon friendship, I don't really mind unless Simon makes a move then it will just be icky. Yes. Yes, agreed. I really enjoyed the bistro scenes, though, and putting the keys in the fridge. I did think at one point that Simon might confess to Shona about Adam. Oh, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? If, if he did do it, is um, Shona going to be his confidant? Um, I had an idea that Will was acting. I just thought that Todd had paid him off. Grr, that Todd. But I love his meddling. I still think that he's hoping Billy and Paul will break up and then he'll play the sympathetic ear to Billy. I'm also thinking that who Todd was on the phone to regarding the Sam Fenton gig. Um... I, th- I thought, oh yeah, when is that gig supposed to be happening? Because Summer has been very noticeable by her absence this week, hasn't she? Considering that they brought this they new actress in, and like, it. whoa, look at Summer, she's back, and, and she's played by she, someone else. What was the point of, of bringing, I mean, what, what was, they, they obviously said, sorry, Matilda, we have to have Summer in this, and you're not here, so we'll hire somebody else. Yeah. And then what was, what did she do? Nothing. Tell Toddy was it still a git. Yeah, it's it's been, it's odd. Oh, I hope that she's going to be back soon because the longer that they have her away from it, it just means the even longer it's going to be before I can take this new summer seriously, seriously and, you know, and into my heart. Like, I kind of had a little bit with a new Todd now. Um, 
I'm so happy that Todd, uh, that Tim has his window cleaning round back and oh, Faye is helping him out. Did we out. mention that? I can't remember. Yeah, maybe. Also, yes, Elaine and Yasmin should move in together. Finally, I'm really hoping I... Toya gets the happy Christmas she deserves. Oh, yeah. Although that will mean, sadly, Anne. And Aww. yes, I bet we get an Oliver present shot. Aww. Nick saying, love you to Sam. The phone was cute too. And I really want the Anne to bond with Sam whenever she feels the time is right. Character of the week is Shona and give it three and a half suggestions that Will might live in Southampton out of five. Was that mentioned in there? I don't remember. Um, we didn't say about uh, Natasha back in the street talk earlier. She's got three months away in London and she has inexplicably allowed Nick to raise her son during this time. Is she going to come a cropper She's going to die. In London. She's going to have a tram accident. It feels like... One of them underground trams they have down London. I, I, I kind of get the impression that they've squandered the potential of having Natasha back. She really is a vehicle for bringing Sam in and nothing else. But then, for that kind of... She's living up to how she was 10 years ago on the programme as well because she was in it for, what, two, three years and she didn't do really anything of any note during that time until she left. So having her in coming back in as a nothing character is is living up to that. But I've, I've kind of quite taken to her on this return and it seems that um, the actress is seems like pretty capable the act the character seems quite likable she's not up to anything and it's a shame that now we, we've said goodbye to her for at least three months if not forever i don't think that the actress uh, i can't remember her name rachel something or other has put um anything on social media saying that's it i enjoyed my time on corey so that there maybe is more to come but yeah i, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they're not and if there isn't then it's it's just a shame because she's just been it really in and out and not really had much to do. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to make a, a tiny point that the, the the economy of Coronation Street continues to be broken beyond all reason by the fact that, um, as shown by the fact that Faye can go from trainee manager across a chain of, of hotels across Manchester <laughs> to... <laughs> a part-time assistant in her dad's window cleaning during winter and not bat an eyelid about any sort of change in circumstances or income. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Well, who knows? Maybe they're little gold mines, like Tim was saying. You know, maybe it's a licence to print money, but it doesn't really ever seem to be. Mm, I know, I know what you mean. Right, and that is it. That is it for another year. (laughs) 450 of Conversation Street and indeed yeah possibly it for another year depending on whether we get and you wouldn't this, uh, believe the amount of trouble we went through to make sure that we were releasing a significant milestone number 450 on the 60th anniversary of Coronation Street for the Christmas episode <laughs> yeah, it's all it, we planned this eight years ago <laughs> and we hope you Lies. enjoy the all fact lies. that it's a nice we haven't done anything special number. for episode 450 sometimes we've done special things for the every uh, every 50 like 250 is when we went to the uh, coronation street tour but um it's been a it's been a right year hasn't it's it? been a right yeah yeah we episode 500 coming up next autumn like, oh, i don't <laughs> even know expectations beyond don't even know what we can do for that it feels like nothing we should but Look, maybe if we don't even try them <laughs> listen who knows what's going to be going on then nobody who knows Thank you very much, Laura Ginty, who is our new patron on our Patreon. You can, oh, yes, thank you. You can uh, find us on Patreon by searching Conversation Street and join up for some extra special goodies. And don't forget that this December we are donating all of our patron income to Women's Aid and the Lily Foundation to thank them 
and Coronation Street for the work that they did in bringing attention to these two charitable organisations. Yeah, you've got a couple of days if you want to join up the Patreon. We have had a couple of new patrons this week's, uh, this <laughs> month, so thank you very much for everybody. And also thank you to all the people that have been supporting us as we've gone along. We really appreciate you. It's been a tough year for everybody, so thank you for your support. It, in, it was in this last week. And also week, thank you for listening. It was in this last week that we uploaded our most recent Patreon episode as well, didn't we? We did our top five scenes of the year. Yes. Top five scenes of 2020 with the proviso that you can't have all of them in the same story, either the Jeff and Yasmin story. Yeah, that was a really good fun that episode fun to record, to so I hope you like that. So, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at conversationstreet at gmail.com. Um, you can find us online at conversationstreet.podbean.com. You can leave us a review on iTunes, like our good friend from Brazil did earlier this month. Find us on Instagram and Twitter, and we're also available on Spotify. And we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. Loads of stuff. And I want to give a special shout out to the Facebook group for um, all the organisation. They had a Zoom. Oh, yes. They, they had did, a Zoom they? call on Christmas Day. Uh, I thought that was really yeah, sweet. Yeah, so a bundle of people from the Facebook group all got together for a Bless for you a guys. Um, I hope you had a, a fun time. And um, I love all you guys. You're all fantastic. I love the Facebook you can join group. the Facebook group if you like. But you must answer three questions. Oh, we're talking of Zoom things. I'm still waiting for that competition that we did with um, with Michael Adams and the others a couple of weeks ago that I talked about on the I'm podcast sure two he, weeks when ago. It's ready, oh no, it is. I, I, it. I just know that a couple of people have been asking about it because I mentioned it on the podcast, saying, "Oh, it should be available now." And two weeks later, it's still not. But well, I've, it's I've been in touch time. with Michael, and it's it's definitely still on its way. So and thank you to people. We'll let you know when that's available. Who sent us cards this year? Oh yeah, we did get some cards, <laughs> cards from a few listeners, and so I, I got a nice. special gift as well from somebody too. So thank you very much that person and oh, yeah. um youtube you can find us on youtube where i upload old episodes and fun things we put up the top 10 christmas day moments from uh, a couple of years oh ago and also rebecca week. did some good work by going through the our christmas tropes um list and telling everybody on twitter how many christmas tropes they, they were on the christmas they, day episode. it was a pretty big seven, seven or eight chunk, this year she reckoned yeah yeah so Oh, thank you, everybody. Don't forget, we've got the awards show coming up soon. And that's it, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. That is it. Hope you enjoyed this thing. Sorry that you had to wait a bit longer than usual for this. But, you know, it's Christmas. I'm sure you have plenty of other things to Some keep your ears busy. Some don't even release an episode during lazy bastards. Well, we, we can't. We've got to keep it going. Otherwise, just have more to catch up on. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everybody, for listening. Try Have a good rest of the week. Enjoy. Love you. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Bye. Ta-ra. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Bye.